everybody, it is Tuesday the 8th of February 2022, this is the first podcast this year, is that right? Yes, because the last one was New Year's Eve. Right, uh, yeah, we made it, well done guys, clap yourself in the back, <laughs> pat yourself in the back, fuck off, right. Uh, anyway, I'm Paco Rodriguez, I'm joined by Tommy Vance, hey. Neil McCulloch, Hello. and Danny Matthews. Yo. How are you guys doing, how was your new year? Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it was warm. Yeah. Well, we, all, we all hung out together. Hmm. It was so warm in Neil's house. Oh, aye. Ah, that's right. heating on. Hmm. In my defence, I thought the heating would turn itself off after an hour. It didn't. <laughs> Turns out four dudes in a cramped hallway is a almost enough to power the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, a... The last time, only two of us had seen it, I think. Yeah, I went to it on the 2nd of January. What did you think? Oh, it was terrible. Did you see it, Danny? Deeply, deeply awful. Like, you didn't like anything about it at all? Not really, no, because it's... Like, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, you said you thought the first half was terrible, but then it got better when it became a Matrix film at the second half. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I thought the first half had the most interesting stuff in it. When it's literally just a film about the making of a film, well, in there, in the film, it's the making of a game. It's the but making it's, of a sequel. Well, no, it's they're making a, a sequel game, whereas the kind of subtext we find that is that this is just Lana Wachowski having a moan about having to make another mm. one of these films. Yeah, and I thought that some of that stuff was kind of interesting, but again, it just. It looked terrible. The acting was terrible. Hmm. And then when it became a matri- an actual Matrix film, it just became boring. Uh, Jake, it's like the equivalent of Lana Wachowski. It's like Warner Brothers are saying, <coughs> uh, listen, we're making our Matrix film. And she's like, no! Yeah, no that's that's, that that's what happened. And yeah. then it's like, you... But the... Why? There's a, a podcast called Let's Fight a Boss. Uh, and one of the guys on that, Brian, like fucking loved the film. Like he's watched it four times in the cinema and stuff. But like he his kind of theory is that she intentionally made the film really bad. Because, oh, that's from the get go. You get because that. this is them trying to run the franchise out of the ground so that people don't continuously try to get them to make sequels and shit. Like this did like really bad in the box office, and like that's now like Warner Brothers aren't going to fucking. You know, push for another sequel. I don't know. Well, I don't know because Legendary Pictures, who actually made the film, is now currently suing Warner Brothers because they put it on HBO Max, HBO Max, which they claim um, deliberately sabotaged its the... box office figures. Uh, but kind of another kind of sub part of that is Warner Brothers uh, will. They think that Warner Brothers has done this. So that they can take the license back off them, oh, along, okay. along with some other properties as well. I hope that's not the case. I hope that that guy's theory is correct, and that, that like she intentionally made a bad film to make it so that they wouldn't want more sequels. Because like then it kind of excuses the fact that the film was bad. If that, but is then it doesn't intent. excuse the fact that the ve- the very last scene of that film mirrors the first. Yeah, which kind of leaves yeah. it open for sequels. True. Mm. Don't watch it, Danny. You don't, I don't have to. any attention. You don't need to. No. You don't need to. I believe it comes to Sky next weekend, so if you have access to now or something. I think I've seen the first one about three times, and 
the second and third ones. I tried to watch the second one again fairly recently. Well, I lasted about 45 minutes yeah. and I was like, yeah. I know what I said, it's not, it's not very good. <coughs> so I didn't watch any more of it and yeah. that's, that's simply where I am. That's, that's hopefully where I'll stay. It's a fair place to be on those films. But yeah, that film is dog shit. A slap in the face to anybody that loves The Matrix. I don't know, man. Like, plenty of people do seem to actually like it. Like, I, I didn't. Uh, no, and you uh, love the, the Matrix. The, the further it goes from it as well, man, the more it is like I hated the start, and the rest of it was just mediocre. But do you think it's like folk are liking it because it's kind of an apologist thing? Well, I'm sure I said this in the Hogwarts episode, but I think it's like because of how self-referential and like meta the start is, people feel like they're in on the joke, and that's why they like it. Well, we know somebody that went and watched it and hated it, and now gradually has kind of came to accept that they enjoy it. But I'm like, Who's is that? that? Um, I don't care. Right. Well, he watched it twice, and like I don't think he hated it the first time. I think I thought you said he hated it, and then it's the first time. He's like the second time. He's like, um, actually, yeah. No, like I think he enjoyed it the first time, but he liked it more when he went to watch it again. I thought you said he hated it the first time or he didn't <coughs> like it. No, okay. You like so? I don't care if you're listening. Send us your thoughts. I think it is a film that a lot of people will have seen first time and went, "Oh, that's terrible," and then. <clears throat> They will no doubt read many an article online about right. it and things like that, and it's like, all oh, right, oh, was that was that, yeah. and then it becomes the apologist of, oh well, it's okay because it's, this is what some online has told me that it's about. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's still valid as well. I think like there's been movies in the past where, like I've not liked them, and then reading up about them's kind of changed my mind. You know, I say that I well, can't think of one example. No, but you can get like theories on it, but. It's it's like envy, like if it, especially if it's like a well known critic praises it, like in terms of Britain, if Mark Kermode loves it, then it kind of carries a staple of this is what you're expecting about it. But like I'm of the opinion that you know everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it is that way. Like just because Mark Kermode says it's amazing doesn't mean it's going to be amazing, because like anybody that's a a, a film critic or whatever, they're going to have their favourites. And they will either gloss over certain things about the film that are kind of controversial. I'm talking specifically about Licorice Pizza, where I listened to what he had to say about it, and I says, man, you just completely glossed over the elephant in the room. And I was like... Now now that you've kind of moved on here, can you talk about that? Or is that like a spoiler to you? Not really. It's just, uh, well, like, me me and Danny have seen it. you seen it yet, Neil? Yeah, but I don't care if you spoil it. Oh, right, no, I, I, won't, I won't be going to see it. Oh, right, People yeah. listening, mate, though, like I've heard that it is actually really good. It's like okay, so Licorice Pizza is like the it's the latest effort from Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars Alana Haim from the band Haim. Actually, the whole band Haim are in it. Um, Did you not already talk about this? Uh, we hadn't seen it in New Year's. It was no, out in New Year's, like no, oh, okay, so. no worries. Um, and uh, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, son, Nick Cooper Hoffman, who's. I think this is like his debut. He's excellent. We, at it. We've spoke about this, but not <clears> on a show. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Danny went and seen it, and he kind of like kind of gave me a wee bit of warning and all. And uh, I went and watched it, and yeah, I, it's a extremely well made film. It's like it's set like in the seventies, Danny. So, I think so, yeah. all right, so it's set in the seventies in the San Fernando Valley. And yeah, you can like just taste the atmosphere. It's really well done. You feel like you're there. It looks amazing. It's really well acted. It's really well written. <clears throat> so, about, about coming here. 
It is like I mean, it's I. There's a there's a there's a bit of controversy about it, where the plot is basically Cooper Hoffman's in high school. He's fifteen. Um, and he just happens to, and Alana Haim is walking about trying to recruit folk to come and get their high school photographs done. Cooper Hoffman's a very confident, um, <clears throat> a smart uh, kind of entrepreneur teenager, which again is kind of confusing because in the film he ends up owning a bunch of businesses. It's like, you're 16 years old, how the fuck can you own businesses? But anyway, Alana Haim is 25 years old in it, and Cooper Hoffman fancies her, <clears throat> and he's kind of charming towards her. I remember <coughs> she's twenty five years old. Her character is twenty five years old. Yeah. yeah, but she meets him. She's a teacher. Oh, no, she? she's works for this ca- the company that is uh, doing the high school oh, right, photograph. Okay. She works right, for that. High, right, no, okay. so that's it. So it's just a kind of chance meeting, and Cooper Hoffman <coughs> kind of says that he likes her, and he's you know he's a very as I say he's very confident. Whereas she's like you're a kid don't be daft kind of thing but she's kind of as the film goes on you see she's almost like the black sheep of her family and the kind of relationship you kind of get from it is that cooper hoffman's almost like this man adult whereas she is like this adult girl so to speak and it's the kind of juxtaposition from that but the elephant in the room is so she, so it's just about pedos it's the problem is it's about a minor uh fancying <clears throat> this 25 year old she is constantly like you're a kid, no. But anytime he gets involved nearly with a lassie, she sabotages it and he does the same thing. So the whole film is basically about their kind of ongoing friendship slash will they, won't they? Um, and it's got essences of like, um, <clears throat> like I think it's it's based on a producer's life. It's one, I think it's one of the producers of the show. Is it Gary Goatsman? I think his name is. Producer of one of the films. But it's basically loosely based on his life when he was living in that era. Uh, if you know who Uber producer John Peters is, he produced the first Batman movie. Bradley Cooper plays him in it, and he is he is Barbara Streisand's boyfriend. So there's kind of element of truth to that character, but it is about like this fictitious kind of on and on again, off again relationship. And how and how is this played out in terms of what kind of tone does this play out in? In my opinion, it's a really uncomfortable tone because. You're constantly being reminded that what's what's going on is wrong, and even Alana Haim says, "I don't know why I hang about with these fifth with uh, his name is Gary Valentine uh, Cooper Hoffman's character, and it's like I don't even know why I hang about with Gary and his fifteen year old kids. Is that weird?" She says to her mate, and her mate's like, "No," and it kind of plays out almost like, "I well, it was a different generation then. It was, it's, you know." But is it like it's not like doing it for a kind of comedic effect or anything? It's like, no, there's there's yeah. funny bits in it, but this is very much it's just about a very uncomfortable relationship. And I honestly think, in my opinion, that if you just had them relatively the same age, the film could play out exactly the same way. It just feels as if like this has been put in there to kind of make you feel a to, bit unco- to basically it's to get full talk about it. It's kind of it's a kind of as much as I like Paul Thomas Anderson. It's the kind of wanky thing that he's went and done to deliberately be controversial. Does the does the <laughs> film feel like it has something to say about it? Just it's no like it's like by the end of it you're just you as I said you feel just very uncomfortable and it speaks volumes about Alana Haim's character uh, and Cooper Hoffman's it's just about watching these two folk kind of battle this kind of like inner struggle of I hate you but I love you but I can't be with you and it's just as I said it's just a series of situations because again there's like Cooper Hoffman ends up owning a bunch of businesses in it which again doesn't make any sense because he's 15 16 year old 
it doesn't help that there's you don't know what the time difference is. The time there's no sense of how much time has gone by or anything. It's just watching them and their kind of on again, off again friendship slash relationship. And it is supposed to be played out as this kind of coming of age if you're around that about that time kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> is it like I take it it's quite a dialogue heavy thing? Then? Yeah, it's as I said, it's everyone that- in it is absolutely excellent. Bradley Cooper especially is great because he's, yeah. he's John Peters and he's only in it for a wee while. And if you ever heard any of the kind of stories about John Peters now, he's a bit of a nut job. That whole bit is absolutely excellent. Sean Penn is clearly having a, a wild time in it, as is um, Tom Waits. Um, but again, it's just, it is just kind of almost like this uncomfortable love story to a time uh, in the 70s, it, it, like in that area. You know what I mean? I just think that what Paul W. S. Anderson's trying to say is that it is the juxtaposition of here's this fifteen year old who seems you know far above along far above his years, and then there's Alana Haim who's like the black sheep of her family. She constantly feels kind of undermined by her parents and is kind of vulnerable. So even though she's twenty five, she's not kind of got the same maturity level. So I think that's kind of what they're trying to play off of. It's almost like they're do they do they ever try and make it seem like no, this is okay, this is an okay thing. Mm, it's never it's no like there's a lot of times Alana Haim is just like no we can't fucking do this and there's times where he never asks her directly but he asks to like see her boobs and for her to do things like that and she's like no we, no I'm not gonna do that you're kidding we're friends we're just friends kind of thing so that's what I'm saying it's a really mm-hmm. uncomfortable elephant in the room and it really doesn't need to be there but I mean yeah cinematography is excellent it's really well written it's really well acted but it's hard to get over that because it's the crux of the whole story is that. And that's what I found hard to about it. And I'm like, man, I can't is there, really enjoy Is there any this. consequence to what's happening? Uh, like, not... Like, there's emotional consequences. There's not, like, there's no police or legal thing about it. But there's a right. lot of... It's, it's as I said, it's a story about these two folk and how emotionally they're affected by each other's actions all the way through the film. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I agree with a lot of what Tom said, but just with regards to what was it you said there, Neil, did they make you feel like it's okay? Yeah. I mean, like, well, the fact that his character is more mature and hers is more immature, I think, makes it feel more like a, an even romance, if you like, in but that sense. My point being that, that, that is... worse. Well, then, no, the, no, no, because he that is... Could be intent, though. He is the... He's a minor, but, but he is still probably more emotionally mature yeah. and intelligent than she is. But say you made the exact same film and switched it, well, couldn't do that. As in, it kind of he was the, he's 25, she's 15. Kind of not, you couldn't set it in modern day, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of Days to Confuse, Matthew McConaughey's character. Mm. Mm. I get that, yeah. yeah so, I don't know. Not that it's okay at any point. No. There's also a cracking joke in it, which uh, yes, we, won't say any, we won't say anything. <laughs> which is again reminiscent of stuff that was, you know, and you know, quote unquote, it was a different generation. And I've heard people complain about the joke, saying it's a racist joke, uh, but it's not. It's not a joke at the expense of the the minority person. It's a it's at the expense of the person making committing the joke. it. Yeah, because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, but it's yeah. yeah. You're laughing at him, not at what he's saying, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, but that was licorice pizza. Apparently, it's up for a lot of a lot of 
think there's a lot of Oscar talk that's up for Best Director, etc., etc. But just sure, it was only got one nomination. Is it? I best screenplay. But yeah, um, Teddy Villeneuve never got nominated for June for director. I know. I will never ever understand. Like the Oscars are shit. We don't. Mean uh, yeah, I know. We don't mean anything anyway. But I will never understand the thought processes, which is here's a film that's getting nominated for pretty much every category that it can including Best Picture, mm-hmm. but yet somehow not Best Director. Mm-hmm. Who's led that film to where it is to get all those award, get all those nominations? Yeah. It's nonsense. Yeah. Especially considering it's like... Especially especially considering it's just so Steven Spielberg can go on for West Side Story. Yeah, which, which fucking... Was a big which died on its arse. Yeah, because it was rubbish. I, I never seen it. it. Did you see it? It was unnecessary. Did you see it? All right. I'm not going very good. I haven't seen the original, um, but I didn't feel like I needed to see this one either because I didn't care. But yeah, Spielberg. If you don't, if you don't nominate him, then he'll. I don't know. He'll close you down. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else. What have you seen, Paco? I don't think I've watched anything in the cinema like I, since New Year. But no, I mean we've been watching Book of Boba Fett. Which a you mean the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian <laughs> Book of Boba Fett cameo, yeah. a which right, like, so it's the Mandalorian featuring Boba Fett, like I, I next twenty twenty two. Like I've been, I, I was enjoying it. Like I think it was pretty good. It's fine. I think the mods are rubbish. Rubbish. Like a that just the 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 mopeds and stuff that they cut about and just look stupid and out of place. Mm-hmm. And like they're all like the type of people who I just find annoying in modern society. Uh, like just like really fucking. Mouthy millennials. I'm not. I'm not there for it. The robot parts. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought the show was alright. I didn't understand all the hate it was getting. But then they released the two Mandalorian episodes, and they were like so far, like beyond anything that had happened in the Boba Fett ones. And it just yeah, made me including, re- including what to me looked like a higher budget in those two episodes. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, they must have. Well, that deep fake is unreal. <laughs> And Especially in the second yeah. ep, I was like, that is just fucking the best it could ever be. It looks yeah. just like him. Well, they've got a different guy playing him from uh, the episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's a different guy. Uh, but but yeah. it's, I think it's still an enjoyable show. I think that them putting two episodes back to back that were way better than anything that happened in the rest of it uh, with The Mandalorian has only highlighted just how mediocre it, the rest of Boba it, Fett was. It does tend to be fair. But, we still have. An episode of Boba Fett to come where we'll, uh, we'll have Boba Fett yeah. riding a rancor in a battle. So against, yeah. I'm gonna guess Darth Maul's cronies. Well, Darth Maul's dead. Never voiced a fucking Star Wars character. Oh yeah, so he is. I forget this is after Jedi. Yeah, but I like having read all the criticisms and stuff. I can actually can understand why a lot of people were unhappy with it even before the Mandalorian yeah. episodes, because like Boba Fett was like supposed to be this badass bounty hunter. But like because it's a Disney show, they've had to make him quite compassionate. So it's like this like guy who Darth Vader told not to disintegrate people and stuff is like telling a Bantha to go and have baby Banthas and stuff. And like well, I think that's fine. Change the guy's been but see some amount of time getting getting eaten by a sarlacc. Yeah, would you not be like that if you were in a stomach for a while? So you, <laughs> surely you would got to get out of that and go, oh, man, this is rubbish. Life's too short, man. Uh, I I just think like. The, the way Boba Fett is in the show, like, I think is fine. Like, I quite like the fact that it's just, like, some totally... I was going to say out of shape, but that's unfair. The guy's 60 and he's, like, 
quite built actually like for a fucking six year old but he's not just like your kind of usual like absolute fucking peak of physical fitness yeah. Yeah. Like Marvel kind of thing <clears throat> uh, I think the character's fine but not as a Boba Fett like it probably would have been better to have him be more ruthless in it it yeah, kind of doesn't make sense. Right. That was that was my problem with. It. I was like, man, it's nice that we're getting a bit of backstory, but can we fucking get on with? It? Huh? Like, and then when it, we're about to get on with, it, you get the Mandalorian episode, which was the best episode, and then you get the second episode after that. You're like, that might even be better than the last one. And right. it's just, it's like, is this episode in here? Because like the first one when Mandalorian's in it, it's got the kind of cat, the, the kind of add on bit. Right, well, do you want to come help Boba Fett? And he's like, I alright. Part of you kind of thinks it's almost like they made these eps for safety reasons like you know what if what if they don't really dig it and we need to kind of well, I mean, turn what, it up a notch what, so put Grogu in there and put when, uh, Mandalorian in there when that first episode with the Mandalorian came into it like I said to you was like, I get the impression that maybe the production for Boba Fett had kind of fallen behind schedule more than they had intended but they just had that like first episode of what would have been Mandalorian season 3 ready to go so they just went and mm. put it in there like yeah. as a a stopgap, but like now it's kind of backfired because everybody's like well buzzed for that and not for Boba Fett. I'm I'm hoping the next step will be good because the cliffhanger at the end of that last episode was pretty much who's your best mate, he, me or him, <laughs> and I thought yeah. that was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, another from... yeah another Star Wars pro- program that shows the Jedi are absolute bastards. They are the problem. <laughs> um, but we've also watched the first couple episodes of Succession. Which love it. I love it. I have we all seen the first couple of episodes mm-hmm. in here? Aye. Mm-hmm. And like I think the general consensus is the same. Like maybe I think Danny might be doing it more than everybody else. I liked it. It's, it's just good, hard it's, to watch. Uh, I, I, I it is yeah. it's hard to watch, but I'm happy to sit and watch four or five episodes in a row just because I'm I'm really fucking enjoying it. I think it's really well written. It's fucking it's really, really well made. Really man. well acted. It's HBO. It's co. It's so it's created by Jesse Armstrong, who co-created and wrote Peep Show, and four and co-wrote Four Lions. So he's he knows what he's doing in terms of the black humor and, um, just like the kind of the ruthlessness. I'm just I don't know. Maybe it's just like I, I'm not. I'm not giving him any credit. It's just I found it strange, but if it's just a Brit, it's just him that writes each episode, but he's obviously done so much of his homework in terms of about corporate America and like how, like some of these kind of terms and all that because a lot of it was like. I know what a lot of this means, but there's some terms where I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what that is, or is that a thing kind of thing? But um, everyone's excellent in it. Everyone. And I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it eventually. I did watch most of it with like my fucking uh, face in my hands, though, man, because it's like mm-hmm. just so much of it is skin crawlingly fucking bad. And like the mm-hmm. way it's intended, though. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I think they, like I was thinking about it at uh, work today, they've done a really good job of like, not making all of them just come off as like two dimensional scumbags, like you can tell oh, that they're all three dimensional scumbags. Well, but <laughs> you, you can tell as much as like they're all in some kind of fucking race for the mm. the money, the dad's money and stuff like that. They're still gonna kind of undertones of them actually caring about them at the same time. Like none of them come off as just being like completely fucking in mm. it for the cash. Like they all mm. kind of have moments where you can see them kind of like making decisions based on the fact that they actually care for him apart like from it, it, but then it all fucking just falls to shit yeah. as like the money gets in the way I would say apart from so far Shiv's husband aye who's so, like aye he's just, just there for the cash well it's just and, like well, it's just like they're, they're, they're all like aye they're all sitting there kind of grieving and oh my god look at a dad and he's sitting there like eating cake <laughs> just aye. like and then goes up that, and just casually try to pitch a thing to like his that, the, the, the 
the grieving wife. That cutaway is fucking great. Like when it shows you like him sitting awkwardly eating the cake as they're arguing, and then it's like a couple of scenes later, and there's just loads of plates of cake sitting <laughs> in the room. Like he's just sat eating the entire time. Uh, cousin Greg, fucking one of the best characters in it as well, man. Mm. He's just such a such a loser. It's great. The show can go from strength to strength, but is that? I remember someone saying it's the show that everybody should be watching. And if you can stomach it, absolutely. But there's nobody redeemable in it right. so far. It's definitely a one episode at a time effort for me. I can't quite, quite manage more than that. Oh, boo. It's terrible. <laughs> You're saying that, but at least we're not just rattling through it. I want to rattle through it. I, I, it's 2022. And then what, wa- it, and it, then what? Well, we've got, there's two more seasons. I'll just fucking rattle through them as well. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh dear. It's it's twenty twenty two. I'm sick of this fucking week by week bullshit. I want to be watching everything covered in crisps if I want to. <laughs> well, if I need to watch Attack on Titan twenty minutes a week, like how's that my fault? <laughs> you need to suffer as well. It's still excellent, man. It's easily like I think I wrote this in the chat earlier, but like watching it, it's like there's just something about that storytelling that, that just pushes every one of my buttons, man. It's like. I think I just go to Tommy. It's like getting just adrenaline injected into my eyes uh, in every episode. It's absolutely fucking great. Like five seasons, it changes up every single time, and every single time, it's like it does it in a way that I think is amazing. Like I love it. I know Danny didn't like it because it's too shouty. When they are injecting the adrenaline into your eyes, are your eyes wide open and screaming. They're for more than for more. They're like fucking just pump that adrenaline right in there, man. But it's so good. Like I just. Stuff I find it amazing that every single season they managed to do stuff where like I had no idea that was how that was going to go down, but it was like the best fucking outcome it could have kind of had. Say I was brilliant. Say say I was really into Attack on Titan, and there was a whole series available, and I'm like, and we and we would watch it together, and I'm like, nah, just one it, mate, and then we'll 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 do it in our week. There's no way you would sit there and accept that you would watch the second, the third, because you couldn't help yourself. Probably watch it in secret. Exactly. Pick so, up that check. I so I might do that with succession. Don't you dare. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> You'll be sitting on the couch with you just uh, pretending that he's missing. I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting development that I had no idea about. Hmm. But it's so good, man. This is the final season as well, and I, like, I get the impression that they're actually not going to fuck it up. Like, I think it is going to stick the landing. See if they do fuck up, then you'll be terrible. I know. No, like, I don't, at this point, though, like, so many satisfying things have happened. That I don't even know how they could fuck it up. It was all a dream. That would be pretty bad. It turns out it's all just an isekai. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched. Uh, you and I have continued to watch uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is excellent. Oh, uh, really if you're a fan of the Blade Runner series, it's really good. It sits nicely between the first one and almost leading into 2049. Um, what's, what's this on? Uh, Crunchyroll. Again, no, it's an anime. But on, it's, on Crunchyroll, it's, it's not a shouty just, anime. It's what? It's not a shouty anime. Okay. There's quite a bit of shouting in it. Uh, not to the extent that I know what you're talking about with Attack on Titan. How many nannies per minute? Well, well I don't think I've heard MD say nanny in it at all. Uh, uh, sorry, let me the joke here. Again? What? <laughs> no. But like, but in, it's in, it's in, got to be yeah. said like nanny. In, in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's like every two seconds somebody's going nanny like because just this crazy shit happening in the screen at any given moment mm. now Black Lotus is like way more just a, a straight up fucking revenge thing in it it's like but it's it's good because stuff happens in it that is canon for the films it's a really straightforward story like it's not trying to fucking 
do anything like wanky or intellectual. It's just there's like a situation's been a manipulated by somebody and then it all plays out yeah. afterwards. But there's no like oh there's Rick Deckard or whatever. Uh-huh. Neander Wallace is in it, but th- that's whole thing is great. That whole thing is like the kind of crux of the story. Um but yeah, it's very, very good man. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um character animation's not great. The fight scenes are brilliant in terms no, the, of the, co- the animations are good. Is the actual art direction's pretty bad, I think, for the like, characters. When you actually see Los Angeles and that and like some of the you know, the actual exteriors, they look great, but it's like when you have close ups of the actual characters' faces and that the animation's not right, it's great. Like a, a PS two cutscene. But the fight scenes are excellent. Excellent. Uh, I think that's like the first time I've watched like not that I've seen a lot of anime where I was like man fucking hell that was tremendously well directed in terms of Though, fight scenes I mean I think like maybe the reason that you like it as much as well is that she does a lot of wrestling it's not like just kicks and punches like she does a I, lot I, of... I, I generally like it because I, I just like the, the Blade Runner world you know what I mean it's one of the only things I reckon I would well, I've kind of gone out of my way to be like oh there's a comic book out about it and it's nothing to do with anything but it's set in that world so like, oh, I'll read that I don't really do that generally with a lot of like stuff like you know I really like Terminator but I've never read a Terminator comic or some, Predator. Some good Terminator comic. I just haven't. I don't know why. I just don't know why. It's Did you ever play seen. the Terminator versus Robocop Mega Drive game? That's a fantastic. I game. loved it. Hated the fact that you could only go Robocop. Okay. Uh, same it's, as it's because it's based on a comic book by Frank Miller in which the main protagonist is Robocop. All right. That's okay. Why you can only go Robocop. Mm. I found it was it. Did Frank Miller? write the screenplay for Robocop 2 he wrote a screenplay for Robocop 2 and Robocop 3 uh, of which I think it's the Robocop 3 one there is a graphic novel version of it mm. not that great alright okay. it, has a, it has a lot of the elements of Robocop 3 the film in it mm. alright you uh, watching anything then? Uh, what have you watching? No, not really. There was a thing on Channel 5 randomly called Teacher or The Teacher or something like that. Was and it softcore porn? Was it no. The Substitute? <laughs> but it's on no, Channel no, it's 5. Called, it's called Teacher. Teacher. It's the lassie for uh, two pints of lager and a packet of crystal. So I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, um, Sheridan Smith. That's the one. Uh, she's a teacher. Oh, but she's like, is she not like a porn uh, star or something? No, no. She's in a high school. She's a high Who's school Channel teacher. Channel 5, mate? Well, it's no, it's no like two thousand and four at eleven o'clock with Shannon Tweed, but it's it's a woman scorned. Is that what Shannon Tweed? Two thousand and four, man. I'm more like late nineties. Whatever. I just, I just, it's a long time ago anyway. You might have watched it. Is this a Channel 5's own drama? I think it is. Uh, It wasn't very good. But just to be slumming it now, are we not? (laughs) She plays a teacher who is alleged to have had sex with a, a, a high school kid. I've seen the advert for that. Uh, Very good. The first step is, uh, you can pretty much tell where it's going to go. She's also uh, a functioning alcoholic in it and she turns up to work kind of all the time. Aye, is the whole thing that she doesn't know if she's done it because she's She has blackouts. She, like, she has, and they set that up fairly clearly. Like she has blackouts leading up to the, the event and then obviously she has a blackout when it supposedly happened. Aye. Uh, so you just like go out your way to watch stuff where it's like teachers banging students or what? No, it's because I was because I work in a school. Because I work in a school, and I thought, how are they going to play this? Do you do the thing like my mum and dad? Like certainly my dad does, where my dad watches a lot of medical dramas and like medical reality shows because he works in a hospital, so he 
I kind of wanted to see how they would see how they do teach her stuff. I wanted to see what kind of how they would develop the relationship between the student and the teacher and see how accurate it was. What's that? Well, I work in a primary school, Neil, so it's a bit of a different ball game there. Other than that, and we all watched. Well, us three watched. What's his face? Oh, I also. Which is the Guillermo del Toro reference? Yeah, is yeah. Uh, I also watched the original Nightmare Alley okay. after watching When was that? Alley. 30s was it? What, the original? Right. It was the 30s. 30s. Big Tyrone Power. It's a good name. It's a cool name. Is, isn't it? The, was it the original then? was better. Right, okay. Because it was like half an hour shorter. Mm. What, so, all I know about this is that it is directed by Guillermo del Toro and that you guys didn't really like it. What is the plot? Um, it's a re- it's a remake of a film from the nineteen thirties called what was it, Nightmare Alley. Is it based on a book? It is. Yeah, probably. Probably is. Where a local grifter uh, rocks up to a travelling circus sideshow type thing, uh, gets a job with the uh, fortune teller, learns the tricks of the trade, becomes a more established, famous, kind of nice circuit uh, fortune teller who then gets uh, he gets picked up by a millionaire who is a kind of big industrialist, a guy who's got a lot of secrets, a kind of William Randolph Hearst kind of figure mm. um, who his wife is dead and he wants to be able to contact the wife and it escalates from there. Okay. And that is pretty much the exact same thing with Nightmare Alley. I thought it was Nightmare Alley. As in, like, as in the oh, Bradley Cooper like, one. It is the exact same film, pretty much. <clears throat> Except it's not as long. It's not as long, and you take out, see some of the stuff of his father at the start, a lot of those kind of wee bits and pieces, that's all trimmed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything redeeming about it, or...? None of you guys. Right, okay, my, my, nice. right, my opinion of Nightmare Alley is that it looks very nice. It's a very nicely made film. As seems to be a lot of that going around tonight. Uh, then <laughs> well-made things that just aren't that interesting. As There's no pedos in this one. <laughs> well, well, you sure? Uh, oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, well, I was only joking, man. But what there is? Uh, well, oh, carry on. I think I know what you're talking about, Neil. There's but, a, yeah. the the William Randolph first guy. Remember his turn near the Yes, end? that's yeah. right. Actually, yes. Right. Okay. So my well, my opinion of the film is that it's very nice to look at. It's very well made, like most Del Toro stuff does. It has that it has that vibe. Uh, however, I feel that Bradley Cooper is horrendously miscast. Yes, I agree with like, that. For me, certainly, there was a lot of scenes where he was just wasn't good. The what the material that he had wasn't really that great to begin with, but he kind of overplays a lot of stuff. Um, the scenes that go on just a wee bit too long, where I think they've been told to improvise, and they're not very good at it. I'm really glad that phase seems to have kind of been like largely kind of addressed in Hollywood. Because like for a while there it was like improv and fucking everything yeah. and most of it was kind of shit. It's usually with like a comedy and things like that, like your Judd Apatow kind of movies. But I think right with this one and I think like because it is based on an old movie, um, Del Toro's probably gone for, I, I agree, I think Bradley Cooper's miscast because I think he's 
I think you could have went with someone younger. I suggest at the time Oscar Isaac, I think, would have been a better fit. Yeah. I think they've gone with Bradley Cooper because back in the day it was like the, you know, it could be like Spencer Tracy, who in, in the film is 25 when he's not really, or like, like when Jimmy Stewart's in It's a Wonderful Life and he looks exactly the same all the yeah. way through it. It's just like that kind of classic leading man casting, but I think Oscar Isaac would have been a better uh, fit. I, I agree with Oscar Isaac probably would have been better, yeah. Yeah. Um, like Kate Blanchett, I really like Kate Blanchett. I always like Kate Blanchett. Yes. She's a fine, fine actress and a handsome woman. <laughs> and in this, she's, she's all of those things and also really stupidly over the top in places, which I enjoyed those, those aspects. Because uh, she just looks like she knows what she's in, so she's having a good time with it. Whereas everybody else is kind of taking it all a bit seriously. Was it Kate Blanchett that was in the episode of Extras where she was like a nun? No, that's Kate Winslet. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's Hela and Ragnarok. Kate Blanchett is also in Hot Fuzz, but you never see her. She's she's one of the forensic scientists. She's the ex-girlfriend. Yeah, and she's the ex-girlfriend. But but she's always in the hazard gear. But you don't see her, and isn't that fun? but yeah, uh, I I agree with you that there was a lot of it was very kind of done again coming back to the kind of old. I've not seen the old movie, but that kind of almost stage like acting where it was a lot of stuff was kind of either over and unsaid right. or whatever. But there's other like Rooney Mara's in it, and again, I don't know. Like there's a lot of times where in the film. A lot of the pieces don't just seem to, they just don't seem to fit well. There's scenes where you're like Bradley Cooper's pissed off one minute, and then seconds later it cuts to a scene where he's all excitable and happy, and you're just like, there's a wee weird fucking thing going on here. I agree with Neil as well. It's too long, and the ending shit. Yeah, the ending. My bad. ending was better because I thought this is the way it was going to go. Did you make it to be a bit alien? No, I said to, I think I said to Neil and Danny. I said to Neil and Danny, see if this was just Guillermo del Toro's The Prestige, I would have accepted that, but it's not, and it, you feel like it might be going that way, and then <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's The Illusionist. Yeah, and then it's like <laughs> is that the Paul Giamatti and Ed Norton. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, when you watch, yeah, just that was rubbish. Yeah, this had potential, but I was. I remember being there and I was like, no, I kind of liked it, but it was over the time, like, thinking about what I liked about it and what I disliked about it, and the cons kind of outweighed the pros. Yeah, you've, you see me since the last time I heard you speak about it, I've changed your opinion. I've had a lot of time to think about it. Well, that, like, one of the guys at work said that he actually did quite enjoy it, but, like, he understands why people are kind of down on it, but, like, the reason I know it's based on a book is because he says, like, what, what do people kind of expect, though? Like, it's not like the book's almost, like, a hundred years old. Like, you're never going to get anything, like you know pushing the envelope out of something that's like no but you could, so long you, could, you could modernize the story it's not even a case of modernizing the story because the story's fine yeah but the original nightmare alley the story's fine and that's pretty much the, the new one's pretty much the same thing it's just it's the way they drag out the story like there's no need for that film to be two and a half hours yeah Absolutely no need whatsoever. I agree with that. The, nothing, the nothing, first nothing. kind of act where they're setting up him getting it and stuff is too long. Yeah, it just yeah. It so like, drags what, out. Is there like an edited down version of this that's actually really good or what? Or? Not really yeah, good, but there, better. There could be a better. There could be a better yeah. one. Yeah, you can get to where you want to get to a lot quicker. Yeah, they take too long to have Bradley uh, Cooper become the new fella to getting him to be the, the yeah. kind of showman yeah. aspect of it. It takes far too long uh, to get there. Well, you're I, kind of fed up by that point already. It, 
I think it, it might have also worked better if it was like a two-part HBO show. Yeah. Other than Blade 2, have you guys liked any of Guillermo del Toro's English movies? Yeah. I, like, I like Crimson Peak. I like uh, Shape of Water. Uh, Shape of Water is good. Um, I have a soft spot for Mimic. I like the Hellboy movies. Hellboy's yeah, alright, yeah. I, all those movies that you've mentioned that I've seen at least like I've not seen Shape of Water I heard it was actually really good but I think like all his English yeah, Oscar films are all just kind of just alright they're, they're not as good as the Spanish movies absolutely um, but yeah Shape of Water was good I really enjoyed that so Can Mimic I do also have a soft spot for that but that film is rubbish yeah that's a bad film <laughs> <Can> you, <laughs> to, to be fair that's not his fault that was a uh, Harvey yeah. Weinstein fucking took I, control of the I believe the there is a director's cut of that film out there and it's still not very good. I'll happily watch the director's yeah, cut. Like, it, it's easy for uh, a monster movie to to kind of be good in my yeah. book. Like, it doesn't really take much other than like people being trapped. The Michael Crichton formula. Mm. What was that thing? Did we talk about it in the show the last day? What was it like you were watching something and then like you explained the plot to us and went, was that by Michael Crichton? And you were like, I'll look it up and it was. What was the fucking, what was it? Twister. Twister. <laughs> What is the, the film which beat Pan's Labyrinth to the best? Tommy, you should keep this. You probably know what. I like the other two answer first. The oh, best foreign okay. film. It was a fucking The Secret Lives of Spies or something like that. That's a good film. The Lives of Others. The Lives of Others is a very good film. Yeah. But it's not better than Pan's Labyrinth. Not a chance. I liked it a lot, but it's not better than Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, personal taste, it's not better than Pan's Labyrinth, but I can understand why people would maybe think that it is. I was like, that's atrocious. <laughs> I hadn't seen it, and then I did see it, and it's like, it's a good movie, but come the fuck on. It's like, I was, that's a four. I could watch movie. that again, actually. Like, I've not seen that since it was in the cinema. No, no lives of others, lives or others. Okay. Like, I, I would imagine that's actually still holds up. That oh, seems yeah, like, yeah, like it's it set at a specific time in history, yeah. isn't it? It's still mm. the same time, so. Mm. Uh, if anyone's interested, the original Nightmare Alley is free to watch on YouTube. Right, okay. the whole thing in HD. Who plays the. The fella, Tyrone Power. That's right. When is he better at it than Bradley Cooper? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so you have to remember it as a film from the thirties. I think the only other thing that I've watched is a a couple of episodes of the woman in the house <laughs> across the road from the girl. From the see, in the see before we go into that, uh, can I just quickly mention I watched Black Rainbow, right? Which kind of seg- as a segue kind of from Nightmare Alley into a similar kind of vein it's by Mike Hodges who did uh, Flash Gordon uh, <clears throat> it came out in, it came out in the 80s to little to no fanfare mm. uh, it has Jason Robart Patricia Arquette mm. uh, no sorry Rosanna Arquette mm. uh, and Tom Hulse who you may know as uh, Mozart and uh, Amadeus. Amadeus. <coughs> Man, something was fucking wrong with me. I always thought you were going to see Bill and Ted's excellent picture. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about uh, Jason Robards is his father, Rosanna Arquette is his daughter. Uh, she is a medium slash spiritualist. And so a con artist? Yeah. Aye. So and it's them going through little towns in America doing their show. But uh, Whilst Robards is a drunken father who's just out to put on the show, things start happening where what she's predict, what she's speaking to the dead, things start coming through. Okay. So it's, yeah, I found it an interesting kind of 
not a not a sister piece, but a down a similar. Kind I, of I line. can see how like that'd be a double uh, feature. Kind was, of thing. Did you watch that in the same day? No, I watched that a couple of days later. It is. Which is it's interesting. It's not great. It's not amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, good performances for everybody in it. Um, and an interesting look at that kind of that kind of storyline. Does some wee bit of kind of stupid stuff near the end, which kind of ruins it a wee bit. Mm. But that's uh, worth a look. I finished the expanse. I've not finished that. No, actually. I'm not going to okay. say any, anything that might even remotely. Spoil this is it. the last season of that. It's finished. Finished. Uh, Did you think it was uh, satisfactory ending? Well, I watched most of the last episode, not realizing it would be the last episode. I was expecting oh, some more. Are you saying this? Actually. But uh, I still liked it. Anyway. Right. I've actually watched a couple of episodes of that as well. Of the sixth season. Of the sixth season, and it's just it's more expanse, which is fine because that's really good. There are only about six steps in it, I think. I think there are only six steps in this season. I think I'm on the third one or something. Although the character of Marco Inaros is sometimes a bit over the top. When he does his big dick and looks into the camera. Alright, he's not quite serious. Is he over the top, Daddy? Paolo uh, Gucci! He's not quite Paolo Gucci. <laughs> Taking all the way back to pills. Is that Jared Leto? Yes. After we talked about that on New Year's Eve, I did eventually go and see that film. It's an entertaining mess. Yeah, that film was a fucking mess, man. (laughs) Two and a half hours. And they see that see what the Oscars are like, oh my god, I can't believe Gaga got snubbed, and I'm like, listen, she's fine in it, but come on. I, I am I am the first to go, Gaga should get everything she deserves, but she does not deserve an Oscar from that film. Nobody deserves anything no, from that no. fucking movie. I've seen like some of the Razzie noms and I'm like, I, it's, there's a couple in there. And I was like, remember see, thinking like... See, see Bruce Willis got his own category? Yeah. The worst he been in? Bruce Willis exactly. In the, loads it's, of shite. Bruce Willis and the worst Bruce Willis film. <laughs> this is five Bruce Willis movies. These men named these ones. He, he makes loads of direct to stream and stuff. I mean. His career is Oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants a a payday. I mean, as you know, like at the point where he refuses to do interviews and he doesn't even do like cool ones. There was what was it I was watching? It was was, I think it was a thing about the fifth element, and uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Djokovic who was saying it. Uh, the, they were told before filming that you can't look him in the eye you can't speak to him fuck off <laughs> he's like the sun never looked directly at him yeah. but he's always been a wanker uh, um, the last time I heard he did promotional work I, he was on like Good Morning Britain and it was for A Good Day to Die Hard and they're like oh so what do you think about it he's like yeah well let's talk about that A Good Day to Die Hard I mean is that a good title is there ever a good day to die hard so he just was like chastising the title of a film he's trying to promote well to be fair if it was a good morning Britain it'd be die hard 4.0 yeah well it was a, it was some fucking I'm sure it was a British chat show I can't remember what it was <laughs> does it really matter past post it die hard 3 what one it was no no so the woman across the street from the girl in the window Paco is that definitely what it's called that yes. is what it's called how many of them you, how much of it have you watched have you watched three or is it four? I think you're on four. Oh, yeah, you're, you're you're deep enough. And then like there's six it's in total, eight. 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 Like I, I think it's like it's really good. Again, 
like fucking this is like the third or fourth time we've seen it, but stuff like really well written, really well directed, looks great, well acted, like everybody plays a partner brilliantly. It knows the genre. Like, did, did, it, did you know it was a parody going into it? Yeah, but right. but having known that, like I was expecting it to be more of a kind of laugh out loud, right. this is ridiculous thing. And like it's way more of a like slow burn yeah, like plays things it plays it really straight. Right. Like yeah. th- things are happening and it's like they're just just ridiculous enough to make you be like, what the fuck's going on here? I, I, but found, not like... I found most of its humour to be in the kind of, the dress-up of, of of scenes, like wee things in the corner of the eye, kind of wee visual gags, things like that. Aye. I mean, like they, they do have like straight-up actual gags every now and again, like a, the tombstone that keeps changing what's written on it. Have you watched any of this, Danny? No. Uh, you, it, you should probably uh, watch I've it. Seen it's like the, good. Maybe the first five minutes where she, or maybe just even the blurby trailery bit where she has a glass of wine. Right. and she fills Fell up right to the top, right to the top there's no like, there's no space left in the glass but like, even she's proper like that's so good <laughs> like in that bit as well she passes out while drinking that and he uh, spills it all over her white chair and then every single time you see the chair through every other episode the corner is just fucking dyed red with the wine <laughs> and it's uh, just shit like they never pay attention to it but she's got like a massive bowl in her kitchen just full of corks she's just drinking hundreds of wine all the time man it's it's subtle like well no it's you know what the kind it, of genre it is so. it's subtle but when it has to be it's kind of you, like, you know what it's kind of parody though eh? right kind of slashery no no like it's, the, the no, kind of, not so much scream but like no do you know you know you remember like remember back in the day like in, it's like women's crime thrillers uh, yeah. it's like, like white what? middle class women like living in the suburbs on the train yeah stuff like that yeah like white middle class woman who lives in the suburbs. The night house is a good example. Aye, aye, There's a bit of that going on in it as well. A bit of a widow's like, oh man, how's a drinking problem? But then something's going on, but she has to try and solve it because the cops can't help is it, her. Is it the wine and the booze, the booze and the drugs that's making? Or her she see actually see things? You know, it's also at the same time. There's the handsome like a, man across the road that she kind of fancies, who's also a single dad. Might also be a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> being like a, a, a kind of parody, a murder she wrote almost even as well. Like, yeah, like yeah. A, all those fucking like Hallmark Lifetime movies that used to make be made for telly, and like your mum and your mum and nan would watch. And it's always like you know, it's the same as like oh, Danielle Steele's The Shattered Mirror Affair, and all those kind of <laughs> shitey fictions. Oh, yeah, which she again, she's always got a book, and it's like the girl in the wind, and the girl in the lake, and the girl in the something. It's always the same fucking garbage. <laughs> but yeah, but there's a couple of really tremendous visual gags, um, particularly the one where she's visiting uh, her dead daughter's grave. That's yeah, it's like it has all her details, but every, you know, you usually get like at the bottom of my tombstone, like, like it's some Bible quote or whatever. Every time she visits it, the quote changes, and it's extremely. To be fair, after episode four, it doesn't change. It doesn't know, but Paco's going to tell you what his first, his favorite one is. Well, I mean, it was the very first one, isn't it? Which Which was? If love could have saved you, you would have lived forever. <laughs> <laughs> I still think there's no there's no eye in heaven. I've, I've not seen that one yet, <laughs> but like uh, that's the, like the third or fourth time I've heard it referenced. Oh my god, it's so good! And it's also really good in that, unlike most of those kind of films and books and stuff, where you've probably guessed twenty minutes into it who the killer is, I never ever guessed. How it was going to play out. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to know if I was right or not, but like I threw out a guess earlier on. Uh, you did, I. I don't know if I'll well, be right. No, don't fucking tell him. He tells you just that I'll know. Just said. I don't. 
<laughs> like I'll tell you what my guess was if you want because he's yeah, tell, tell like I figured that it was his daughter that killed her right okay uh, and he's just trying to cover it up right okay so you shall see because his daughter's like seven year old and sells Girl Scouts cookies so it's, okay. it seems like the the most uh, left field fucking thing they could have done so and just ridiculous in general a lot of it is ridiculous yeah. like honest to fuck Danny I'm not going to say it but see when you found out how she died you're just like oh, fuck that, hell. I, that the, the, the fucking fuck. that I, again though but they, they don't really like I mean they tell you it happened but they don't I don't have a show yet it, it's just such a fucking horrible suggestive uh, cutaway <laughs> no but there's that but there's that but then there's when the detectives have to talk to her and, uh, and it says it out loud uh, what happened and you, as an audience member you're fucking laughing because it's so ridiculous but yeah that, who, it, it goes the, places what's the name of the, the main woman in it Kirsten Bell Kirsten Bell she does a fucking great job mm. and she's really good in it I think like I think she's like an executive producer but she one of the things that makes me think she, she was uh, cast is she was uh, in a detective show called Veronica, Veronica Mars right so I'm looking a bit it was like I think she's like a high school detective it got yeah. cancelled and then it was then they made a movie that. is that not the show they take the piss out of in Forgetting Sarah Marshall no is that, is yeah, that like a, they do it's a one, one, one of them is yeah. aye because it's like a when CSI type yeah. yeah what's it aye it's, they use their animal instincts like she she can like contact animals psychically and the animal tells her who the killer was <laughs> and then I think it's in getting to the Greek where they see that they're like oh I used to have sex where it's a spin-off show and it's called it's like called like blind justice where she plays a doctor that's blind <laughs> or a surgeon that's blind like, so the thing is though that gag, that gag is a real good gag but then there, you got the TV show Sue Thomas FBI EYE Oh yeah, a blind agent. <laughs> that's that is a real show. Wow, that's a real show. That's a real show. No so fucking way. FBI. When was that? That's going back mid two thousands, I think. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, it's only twenty minutes long. Then they're if you're if you like a good spoof parody, it's worth it. Then it's, 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 it's worth your time. Long. But you do. It. I I don't feel it's a show that it's not one of these shows that you go right. I watch the first episode. And it grabs you right away. You do kind of need to skip oh, yeah. Because it, 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 it is not like a fucking laugh a minute, yeah. like laugh out loud effort. It is like just a, a bit of a giggle fest. It's yeah. good. Mm. Like Neil said, there's all these like little things about it that's the setup that's just like, that's fucking ridiculous and hilarious. When she keeps dropping her casserole dishes in the first episode, though, she goes through like three of them, but they're all the, they're same. All the same. How yeah. many fucking casserole dishes have you got? Then she even mentions it, like when one of them smashes, she's like, oh, sorry, I've got more now. It's always chicken casserole she makes. <laughs> so he was like, like the very first chicken casserole. He's like, well, she made that in the morning. <laughs> like, it was like, she made it before school. <laughs> <laughs> who makes a big fucking chicken casserole yeah. at like 7 in the morning she grabs it right out of the oven with the oven gloves and it's like ah it drops she's like gotta stop doing that like, how do I always yeah, forget she keeps on doing it she keeps fucking doing it yeah. but yeah definitely worth a watch a lot of folk went like before I watched it I read like a lot of folk were getting pissed off and disappointed about it because they didn't know it was a parody they thought it was serious yeah. and I'm like the title alone tells you that it's a fucking ridiculous film. Oh. plus it's produced by Will Ferrell. Her wee kind of a circular reasoning in her monologues as well kind of give it away. Oh, aye. Like when she has one in the bath when she just keeps going on about like a... Oh, I want to see if like, I can find this. Are you, are you going for the one that's about uh, like losing everything or 
yeah. was it risk risk and everything right okay keep, keep talking I will find ah. so every now and then she has a wee inner monologue because like you know you have to do this and like as Neil quite pointed out he's like it's the kind of cheap prose that you find in those kind of novels that are that try to pass off as good writing it's like it's like, not as... like life affirming and fucking a uh, like really like in depth of them ah. so this is my favourite one out of them is to get to the bottom of something sometimes you have to remind yourself that if you don't risk anything you risk everything and the biggest risk you can take is to risk nothing and if you risk nothing what you're really doing is not risking not getting to the bottom of something and if you don't get to the bottom of something you risk everything <laughs> but there's one there's one in the first episode which is in the bath as well talking about like the past and the future something like she's he's... like if you if you're stuck in the past you then your future is the present and if your present's the past yeah. it's just all this fucking not I personally like the one where she's like chicken casseroles are a lot like people chicken grat casseroles have a lot of layers and like people you have to peel them back to get to the real thing and it's like what fucking nonsense she's talking about but yeah it's uh, it was a good time I really enjoyed it <clears throat> try and uh... Tommy right okay oh, let's right, play sorry. a wee game okay Tell me about the film Streets of Fire. Okay. I want to know what you remember about okay. this film. Um, so basically... I've actually already done this for them and he remembers it all. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh. So there was pretty much... It's a film... It's like a kind of kidnapping film where there's a band that are playing and uh, there's a member that's kidnapped and then an ex, an ex has to come in and help that person find the kidnapped person and there's like a biker gang in it as well. Uh, aye, and a bunch of other stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like an eighties movie, mm. but it's a fifties movie. Aye, yeah. It stars well. I mean, it doesn't start like is it Diane Lane? So yeah, Diane Lane, Willem Dafoe. Oh fuck! I can't remember the main guys. Uh, is it Michael? No, wasn't it Michael Parry? You sure? It's directed no, by the guy. Sure. It's directed by Warriors. Warriors. Hill. Who did the Warriors? Uh, and kind of feels to me it feels like a kind of quasi prequel to that to that film's universe mm. I can see that was this before the Warriors no, exactly. no. right but it's, it's it's time frame is Warriors. this the one you gave to me no what was the one you gave to me I gave you Repo Man I gave you To Live and Die in LA um, I don't think you'll like that and I gave you you might like Repo, Repo Man UHF Okay. Is that like the milk? <laughs> anyway. Sorry, it's just when you gave me them, I'm sure you'd said something about the Warriors. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I think we'd been talking about Streets of Fire right, at okay. the same point. Aye, right. Because you gave them those DVDs when you brought Streets of No, because that's why I was on your Xbox on yeah. okay. well, that. The film is like surprisingly good. I immediately added that a song that Diane Lane does at the start to my Spotify playlist. Is and then banger? it randomly came on and I'd forgotten all about it. It was like, man, this is fucking great. Uh, what's where, it called? It's like... Fucking... Uh, nowhere Fast. Uh, where, did uh, you, where did you watch it? Uh, I'd, I'd got it in a, in a sale on you have, you have it, okay. Yeah, so... I do have it, but it's, it's out there. It's, it's worth looking into. It's like, it's like a weird hybrid of the Warriors, Purple Rain, and... A western, essentially. Oh. But like, it's one of those things where I don't think it was intended to be a comedy, but like everything about it just seems 
just off enough to yeah. make everything entertaining. Like it's it's quite a kind of just in the face of it, it's quite a kind of a bad film, I guess. It's like kind of badly made. It's yeah, not like, it's, I mean, it's really generic as well in aye. terms of the story that's going on in it. But there's something really endearing about every aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. all the characters are just kind of quirky enough. Like Rick Moranis is in it as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe, like towards the end, some like he looks like a fucking like a fisherman uh, <laughs> got sucked into the Hellraiser universe like uh, it just his outfits are fucking ridiculous he's also like jacked yeah. like I didn't realise oh, Willem was ever that built hmm. good uh, film I watched um, <laughs> I also watched uh, the new Scream movie uh, that was good uh, I was not expecting anything from it uh, I think it's the best one since the second one it's a good mixture of the first and the second one uh, again, kind of like what I'd said about Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's good at making the old audience feel familiar, but also introducing a new audience because of like the time it's set. So yeah, um, I, I'd recommend that as well. Apparently we're getting another one, because of course. Is that still in the cinema? I'm not sure. Yeah, it was still there. But um, yeah, I as I said, I... Wasn't a big fan of the third one or the fourth one. Didn't watch the TV series. I thought the fourth one was good. Uh, I just thought that this one was kind of a wee bit more back to its roots. Uh, yeah, it's decent. Uh, again, kind of knew who the killers were straight away. So that was it. But it doesn't mean it's not a good thing because it's as a good movie because it, it plays out quite well. Uh, yeah, uh, if you like the Scream uh, franchise, I'd give that a watch. I didn't tend to go watch it. I've just like I've I've not been finishing my duty like up next to the cinema. So like every day I've been coming home and then like once I'm inside, like there's no way I'm going back out again. So I just haven't had a chance. That's why I've not watched anything really in the past couple of weeks. You know, you were saying about Diane Lane's tune. Uh, if we were to circle back to Channel Five, you see that they're cancelling uh, Neighbours after X amount of decades. It's not going to be Channel Five. That was on BBC One. <laughs> it's, on, it's been on Channel Five ah, it's since two thousand eight. But um, I didn't know that if he's... I mean, we, we've all watched Neighbours at some point in our life. Um, do you remember Paul Robinson? Huh. Who's like who's Paul Robinson? He's Alan Dale's son. He's a slimy, dirty bastard. Okay. Like, really kind of shady businessman. He released a single. <laughs> and uh, I think they all did at some point, didn't they? Donovan like, and Kylie, I, but the doctor, he's... The doctor, the doctor Phil, Phil... Yeah, Dr. 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 Carl. Carl. No, do you not mind what his oh, band was called? Hold on. It's the waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, no, played, like, uh, they played the Renfrew Ferry in Glasgow. Aye. Uh, but Paul, like, Paul Robinson, I can't remember the name of the guy, but I was, was, was seeing all the stuff about like factoids about Neighbours, and obviously it's quite nostalgic because we all watched it at some point. And I was like, he released a song, and wow, it's it's as 80s as it gets. <laughs> what's, the, what's the best uh, song like performed by somebody from Neighbours? Oh, well, I mean, Kylie. Kylie, right? Yeah, Kylie's kind of a... Honestly, yeah, I, don't think you, I don't think you can really count her into that question then, because she's surpassed. She I honestly thought that at least Neil would have brought up Holly Valance. Kiss Kiss. Belter. No, <laughs> Too Many Broken Hearts by Jason Donovan. That is also a fucking baggage trip. Jason Donovan. I've been trying to remember his name for fucking ages. He was the one in that film with the bus, right? This is Keanu Reeves, mate. It's called Speed. Fucking, mm. uh, is it We're All Going on a Summer Holiday? Was one of the songs in it? It's Cliff Richard. 
Was that Cliff Richard? <laughs> is a, what are you talking about? There's a film where like they're going about in a big fucking double decker bus. I'm pretty sure Jason Donovan's in it, and it's like a musical. Are you trying the Euro trip? No. Technical Euro? No. <laughs> no. Joseph got a bus in that one. <laughs> the old buses back then. That's Cliff Richard. <laughs> well, we're all going to summer all day as a Cliff Richard song. But I think that was in the movie though. Like was Jason Donovan in a film? I think, you're like, right. I think he did fucking... sing that at one point. He, he was in the Keith Lemon film as Jason Donovan. Ouch. I don't even know why this is something I was thinking about. Never mind, let's move on. I watched Terminator 2 again. The first time in a long time. Nice one. That's class. Aye, it's class. So yeah, I was saying to Paco, like, the sound is actually kind of what dates it a little more. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, like, when they burst through gates, like when Arnie drives through mm. a gate before going on to the... Is it a viaduct? Is that what you call it? Aye. Like... There'll be a wee violin that goes dun, dun, like, as if yeah. to symbolise the game yeah. opening, and it's it's kind of dated. It's still good, but the see that bit where he's like just fucking reloading his shotgun, and uh, whilst fucking oh, that's great, whilst on the motorcycle. And they've definitely done like there's a remastered version that works, and they've definitely touched it up because when he does the bit where he jumps down on the bike, oh. original, you could tell that is pure not army, oh. and it's army's face that's on it now. Sort of. What did you watch on? Uh, illegals. Downloaded it. <laughs> was it a, Man, was the illegals touched it up. It's, That's it's really not, was, it the, was it the 4K remaster? <clears throat> I, I can't remember if it was that one or the one before it, but apparently one of those. There's the re- other the, scenes the, in the it. The remastering isn't supposed to be that good. Some apparently the color corrections. This was really like, bad. I think it's 2019. I think. Wow, yeah. got remastered that recently. I think so. Cause I bought it on Blu-ray when it first came out yeah. on Blu-ray, and it was it was just like the DVD. It was the, the whacked on a Blu-ray disc. It wasn't any better yeah, at all. Yeah, this one's really good. But there's a few extra scenes. Like I'm sure. I wonder, do they now use like AI to fucking upscale stuff? I don't know. Is that? I would imagine that's something that happens now. It's quite ironic given the film. But the the T1000 is in John Connor's bedroom. Like creepily putting his hands over all his posters and all his stuff to try and find clues that's no it and I'm sure that wasn't in the, the theatrical release and he pulls pulls a poster off the wall and he finds tapes that his mum sent him recordings of Sarah Connor and that's how he knows to go because yeah. he does this like he goes out with his fingers doesn't he over the tapes aye ah, he does uh, he's, but he's doing it over the whole room ah. and then the very end of the film is different as well but there's Potentially spoilers for Terminator 2 here, but... <laughs> it was out in 91, mate, it's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm sure in the original you just see Sarah Connor sitting, or she drives away a car into the desert. The, they drive away and there's an, a voiceover narration. Right, and this one, she's old. She's old and she's yes. a granny and like John Connor's playing with... Yeah, with they, um, they mentioned that they were going to add that scene in because you don't need it. No, it's, yeah. it's, I remember like when I was a kid and like it first came out in the video... And I, I mean, I watched it to death. It was like the greatest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen kind of thing. And later on, like years later, it was on telly. And there were scenes in it where I'm like, that wasn't in the home video release. It's the episode, it's the bits where... Um, what would it have been home video? Would it have been like because you recorded it off the telly and they just fucking cut out hundreds of the violent bits? Cause it was... No, 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 no. It was like, see, like there was more in the telly version. Like, see the telly version. It had the bit where it's, uh, Sarah, Co- where Michael Bain's in it, and Sarah. That, Co- she's having the dream. She's or, having the yeah. dream. It also has the bit where it's like you know where the Terminator talks to the T one thousand and is like, "What's the dog's name?" And he's like, "Your foster parents are dead." Yeah. In the in the home video the version, Mason, I remember 
that that never got followed <clears> up. But in the the version I seen later on, he goes out and kills the dog and checks and it, and that's how he knows. And that's how he knows because that and the other thing being when he comes out of the uh, like after he's like you know asked La Vista baby and he comes back and then there's the kind of weird uh, ripple thing him. and I was like I remember watching that thinking what the fuck's that and then again later on you're like you see him actively malfunctioning because he's touching stuff and it's like why is he doing that kind of thing and I just remember thinking yeah th- this is like a whole different film there's all these wee filler bits that tell you stuff that I remember watching on video I was like why is that but it was just it was I was like fucking hell man like, so like Neil says it must be that director's cut or something like that but, but this was like been different was, I mean like the, the one you're talking about Tommy is the one I thought was the director's cut right. like the stuff you're talking about I've never seen right, okay. but th- there's definitely like a, a version of it that was like way more stripped down than either of the ones you are talking about just now but you, it's, it's, so much it just holds up oh man like special effects wise yeah. the scene where he's in the helicopter and he's like got three hands like it's uh, fucking excellent man it's so good see that bit where he just gets out and just goes on one knee and he's like into the lorry of the two aye, fuck about that. that looks cool as fuck that was another scene that wasn't in the home video version <laughs> is see when they take the chip out and he's gonna be able to learn stuff again uh-huh. watching that on home video you just accepted it because I was a kid but it was only there I was like aye that's a really fucking big part because if they don't explain that it doesn't explain why he's just learning things now aye. even then as well like just the, the moment where Sarah's about to smash the chip and John aye. stops her aye. yeah like again I was like fucking hell I remember yeah. watching this thinking I feel like I'm watching a different film I mean he, he, stop, he's, he does stop her but then like she still wants to do it and she swings the hammer down, he just lets her swing the hammer and she lands the hammer right beside it. Oh, yeah. So it's like, he, it just shows that she's convinced him, it, he's convinced her as well. So. Yeah. That film is fucking great. It's man. really good. It's such a shame what happened to that series. I still prefer the first one. The first, first one, one's really like, good as well, but it's... Like, I, like, Tommy always gets angry when I bring this up as well, man. As much as, like, Terminator 2 is really good, it did pave the way for all the shit that followed. Like, all those rubbish sequels are because Terminator 2 was a bit more goofy than the first one was. Like, you wouldn't have had talk to the hand and all the rest of it if it wasn't for, like... I'll be back. And I, like, the bit where John Connor's teaching the Terminator to smile and the douchebag, you call him what, douchebag stuff. All that shit is, like, just a, a bit more reined in than the crap that came later. And, like, mm. there's still moments in, like, Terminator 3, I think, that are really good. Like, a... The end of Terminator 3 is brilliant. That's the best bit. Even just the car, like the the carnage parts, where like they're in the back of the big fucking construction vehicle and it's just ploughing through the city and stuff is all good as well. Like the even the the premise of it being like a mix between the T one thousand and the T one hundred or T eight hundred, whatever, all that stuff. Like there was like a, and, and like her mission being that she couldn't find John Connor, so instead she came back to like assassinate all his generals. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a good idea, but there's just mm-hmm. so much fucking crap in there, man. And then like every single film after it just got progressively worse. The thing is though, Terminator is a horror film, whereas Terminator Two is an action yeah. film. It is, but like, and again, like I, I don't think it's bad in Terminator Two. Like all the kind of stuff that's in it is like the right kind of tone and right level of humor. But it's just the people who made the films after it didn't quite understand what they were doing. No, and they just I'd camped agree. it up to the point where it yeah. was just rubbish. Yeah, and then like that's when you get to Dark Fate, which like for the most part was alright but then as soon as Arnie appears he's yeah, like the first half of the arcade is fine it's just like oh I, I, I achieved my mission so I've been spending time as a guy who puts up drapes it's like what the fuck is this like mm. just uh, fuck off this is rubbish yeah and, he's, and the dog likes him which again you're like no that doesn't make yeah, sense I didn't have it. <laughs> yep um, 
But yeah, Dark Fate was terrible. Um, it had redeeming parts. It had potential, but it's like it, you could say that the same as like Terminator Three had potential. Uh, Genesis didn't have a fucking chance. Also, that was like a terrible film. Ter- Terminator, like the, the thing that dates Terminator the most is this idea that like in the future a computer system would send back like one like robot unit rather than just use biological warfare or like a swarm of shit we can't fight. Do you know what I mean it would just be like you wouldn't have a film that, then, though, would you? I know. But, but that like Dark Fate yeah, fell down for that though because like whenever it showed you the future in Dark Fate there was like all these drones and stuff that didn't really have much of a chance of combat and, and it kind of highlighted how stupid the premise is maybe the the lore if you like I don't know much about it is that they can only that's, they can only do that they can only send <coughs> one thing back and it has to be covered in flesh apparently is maybe what yeah, I don't know because why like, when the first Terminator obviously tried and kill Sarah and then the second one they try and kill John why couldn't they just Go back and try and kill Sarah again. If you've got access from the same timeline and stuff, mm. you just have to buy it because oh, yeah. just accept that that's part go, of it. Go further back, kill our parents. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, the, I think the worst example of that was in Terminator Salvation. I'm sure I've mentioned this in the show before, but that idea that they, Skynet had spent like the entire movie manipulating John to get him to go to that specific area so it could release one Terminator on him. It's like, why would you not just fucking lure him there so you could just explode the base? <laughs> fucking rather than have him fight a robot but with T2 they kind of explain like you know because Arnie's kind of got him away to safety so then he's like well what will he do now and he says well his protocol will be to find Sarah Connor and lure, and try and lure you there and it's like yeah that's exactly what it does and it, it works because any, if anything if it went after Sarah Connor it wouldn't matter killing Sarah Connor now because John's a boy so it's like yeah I'll just have to try and trap him also, for the record, I think Nick Stahl and Claire Danes done a good job in Terminator 3 as well. Oh, right. Yeah. What was the last thing that either of them were in? Nick Claire Danes was in Homefront for a while, didn't she? Yeah, home, was. Was it, was it, what was home it called? Homefront. Homefront, no. I saw Nick Homeland? Homefront. No. Was it definitely? It's, no, it's Homeland. There's, there's, there's a game. Home? I think it's Homefront. Homefront is the game where like, game. Uh, China invades America. All right, okay. Homeland, Homeland is the... Homefront the is also show. that film where... Jason Statham. Statham and Franco and it's the one that directs for rights. Is Damien Lewis and Captain Winters. Homeland started off alright, but it got progressively shit. Uh, but yeah. Terminator uh, 2 is a fucking excellent film though, man. I got a couple of these things to mention with MDs. I'll go for I've I've got one more film to mention in the cinema. Oh right, okay. Um, I watched Piranha 3D again. Why? Because <laughs> why not? That, that, that film. Is, why not? That film still remains. Is that like... also written by James Cameron? No, no, no. Although there is, there is Piranha a... Two mm. is directed by James Cameron. Right. Yeah. Uh, Piranha 3D remains a good time. It is. <laughs> it is absolutely shameless. Who are you to convince? It's absolutely shameless in its exploitation, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Okay. Uh, I also watched Encanto, uh, the new Disney film that's on Disney Plus just now. Um, it's getting a lot of buzz. It's been amazing. <clears throat> it's only okay, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, What's it about? It's about a magical family in, Col- in a small Colombian town. Magic is in the wizards? No, well, they're kind of... It's not really explained how they get the magic. Well, it is explained. They get them a, a magical candle. Gives, okay. them, gives them their powers. And once they reach a certain age, they go through a magical door and they get their special magical gift. For example, one of them is very strong. 
One of them has superhuman hearing. Is one really fast? One of them is quite fast. Can one turn itself into fire? No. <laughs> uh, is this fantastic form? There's one of them like tombs from the X-Files. Oh, stretchy. Awesome. stretchy. Yeah, well, you yeah, some of the Fantastic Four. They're not so fantastic. So it's, it's typical <clears throat> Disney nonsense where it's... Where everything's good to the family, but obviously one of the family doesn't have a special gift, so it's all about how they find their place within the family. But then it turns out at the end that they've got the gift that everyone needs to save the day. Well, the gift that everyone needs to save the day <laughs> is not having a gift. All right, okay. Uh, so, so yeah. So she, is she, it friendship? It's a, it's about. No, gen- probably the real gift is the friendships we made along well, the way. It's it's about kind of generational reconciliation. All right, okay. So it's about. These because it's it's Colombia, it's a very matriarchal, uh, like the, the yeah. grandmother's the head of the family type thing, and because she doesn't have the power, she feels that the grandmother doesn't see her and value her as part of the family, right, right, and right. that the rest of the family doesn't value her the same way because she's just this normal girl. But in the end, it's the kind of the journey is her working out that she is a linchpin to everybody within the family, and she's she is able to get everyone in the family to then express their own wants so that everybody is seen as an individual and not just this magical family who help help a town. Everybody has their own wants, needs, and everybody, um, everyone else in the family is aware of it and then work within those boundaries. Songs of Ireland, Manuel Miranda. Uh, my opinion is they're not as good as the ones he did for Moana. Uh, Moana still remains a better film than Is that Pixar? No, it's Disney. It's fine. It's it's enjoyable enough. It looks fucking stunning. The the animation in it is some of the best I've seen from Disney. Um, In terms of its cut, in terms of the way it uses colour, a lot of the kind of, not so much just the character animation, but the actual... Um, settings and like background is this, animations. Is this on Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus. Aye. I've um, seen it about. <clears throat> so yeah, if you like Disney films, <clears throat> this one pro- it probably feels more it feels more like a musical than Disney films have felt for a, for a while. But it feels even more of a musical than Frozen does. And Frozen's a musical. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it's, it's, it's alright. Can I go? It's on Disney Plus. Mm. I may watch it. Yeah. Like, uh, speaking of oh. Disney Plus, we mm. also watched the first episode of Hitmonkey. Sounds about right. I watched three minutes of that and turned it off because the animation was terrible. I don't think the animation was watched it. All right, I was going to like, say. Uh, well, though, we watched it in Japanese, which I think was actually a bad move. Because uh, then you missed Jason Sudeikis. Aye. who seems to be very much an archer type character yeah, I we only watched the first episode though yeah. but it was, it was alright it's okay mm. it's okay. I, would, I, would, I said at the time I would watch more of it and I haven't done mm. uh, I've also not watched any more of it so. that's another thing about uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus uh, on Crunchyroll it's just Japanese uh, language subs but well, or Spanish or Spanish yeah <laughs> but there's no English um, but I think um, which suggests then that there isn't an English no there, there is, is. Um, yeah, it's like got quite a famous cast Brian Cox plays Neander Wallace oh, yeah, okay. uh, no Neander Wallace senior senior yeah um, and fuck, what's his name he's in the Hunger Games he's in a bunch of things he was the 
devil and ghost ghost rider so he was the vil, villain and ghost rider and then hunger games he's got the weird beard thing that's like oh right okay where's something yeah, it's. Uh, What's it? Where's Borland? That's not him. Is it the boy that was in? That American is the guitarist Beauty? from Limp Bizkit. Exactly. <laughs> is the boy that was in American Beauty. Yes. Uh, where's he's the Underwalls Junior. I can't remember where his he's, name is. Yeah, he's Bentley, the Where's Junior. Bentley? That's it. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. So that's again. If I, I don't know where you would get the English one, I, I'm sure someone said it was ITV, but you can get that. Yeah. Though I mean, like a, a, the Japanese one, it's fine. Hi. When we switched it to Spanish for that one episode, it was fucking weird. That was weird. Um, well, as in, like, the vocal animations don't fit. No, it was just really weird. The, just hearing the tone them wasn't... speaking Spanish was just odd. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the other thing I was going to mention, uh, probably before I talk about Moonfall, mm-hmm. would be, so far, my film of the year, which was a film of last year. Which is Big Donnie Yen. It doesn't count then. Kicking folk in the face in Raging Fire. Uh, Raging Fire is. I feel it's possibly the last time you will ever see a film like this coming out of China because it's very much the old style Hong Kong action film. Uh, very tropey towards it in terms of the, the storyline. Storyline Donnie Yen's a cop, doesn't take bribes, doesn't doesn't do anything dodgy uh, he witnesses a murder by other cops sends those boys down unfortunately that one of those boys was he's, he was kind of the mentor of them mm. and now those boys are out and they are committing crimes okay so it's him going against these former former Padua how, how brutal is it Donnie N batters cunts all over the place <laughs> up and down a street he uh, like he arm bars a guy in so many bad ways that it just breaks him it's oh it's amazing did you watch the Ip Men movies I've seen the first one the first one's good I'm a Donnie Yen fan I enjoy his work <clears throat> I think he's very good um, I'll watch that you've went and left the DVD here right uh-huh. I'll watch that I will happily watch that it's yeah. It's easily the best acting film I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah. So, Neil said all that, and then he's like, after an hour, this is him uh, texting me, <laughs> after an hour, eight, 8 out of 10, but that might go up as it's proper kicking up a gear. And I says, oh, I fancy that one. It's maybe a 9 out of 10 as this action scene is brawl. I will give you it over when you've, when, when I've not got covid and he's like, Donnie Yen just kicked a guy out of a window. And then he just wrote, this movie is the tits. <laughs> and then he wrote, mind the way I laughed out loud at that bit, Mary Steenburgen and capped that old guy in Nightmare Alley. Oh, I mind that bit. This movie made me do the same, but in a totally amazing way. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Don't watch, uh, what was it? Can I ask you? Don't did watch you st- it dubbed. <laughs> I was like, okay. Did you start taking drugs at the start of that film and they were kicking in by the end? Is that what I'm hearing? There? I may have been high when I watched that. But... Oh, I totally got that impression. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that was, was, that a, was a fun conversation. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's left Moonfall. Uh, well, what was Tommy's last? Uh, I went and watched uh, Belfast. All right, all right. Um, right, okay. I'll talk about Moonfall first because I'm, right. I'm going to be quick about Moonfall. Okay. Because. Also, like, Belfast is apparently meant to be good. So yeah, which is why we should probably leave it now. There's no apparent about it, mate. Moon, Moonfall is a new film by Roland Emmerich, famous for... Rubbish. 
Universal Soldier. Stargate. The Stargate, Day After Tomorrow. The Day After Tomorrow. 2021 uh, ID4 ID4 2 oh, did he do the second one as uh, well? Oh, Resurrection I don't think I actually watched that Every, no you uh, did I'm pretty sure, sure I watched that with you no, I don't remember watching that I watched that Robbie <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were there Neil man I couldn't tell you a single thing about that film Disney, Disney <laughs> right anyway so Roland Emmerich has fallen on hard times lately and isn't getting the the budgets he used to get so his main cast for Moonfall is Samuel Tarley Samuel Tarley <laughs> yes I was trying to remember his name the whole way through it uh, Halle Berry and possibly the worst performance I have seen Halle Berry do in a long long time and let's be honest she's never that good in anything I don't know about that like I think she's pretty good in a John Wick 3 she's fine in John Wick 3 she but... was good in Monsters Ball Oh, Monster's Ball. Oh, she got an Oscar. I see the Catwoman as well, same year. She did, man. That was a travesty. What about um, Die Another Don't Pay. even, man. Uh, Don't even, because I, <laughs> I thought about that film and then dismissed it before even fucking verbalised it. Uh, so, Halle Berry and, I was about to say Patrick Warburton, but it's not. No. It's uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Uh, Patrick is, Warburton, who I, believe, who I believe is fresh off of The Conjuring 3. Oh, that one was not and a good time. About to be fresh off of Aquaman too. He's James Wan's pal. Yeah, um, he was in the first Aquaman, wasn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, a baddie. I mean, he's he's not a baddie. He's terrible, isn't he? Well, I mean, everybody is. So Jason Momoa is fine in Aquaman. Wonder for it? No, no. They were all rubbish. It was pretty crap in that film. Boba Fett was bad in it as well. Oh yeah, he's in it. You were meant to say you'd tell me that. Julie Andrews is a giant crab monster. Is okay though. <laughs> Alright, she got a big umbrella in that. <laughs> no. I, I forgot she was still alive. <laughs> she must be some age, Julia Andrews. So, Moonfall. Uh, <laughs> so, as it's a Roland Emmerich film, you, you'll know it's a disaster film right from the start. So, the disaster this time is that the moon has fallen into an elliptical orbit of the Earth, meaning that it's slowly spiralling towards collision. Which is fine, it's a fine disaster to have, but also the moon is, I'm going to spoil this film because it's short, the moon's hollow because it's actually, hollow uh, moon theory, (laughs) because it's actually a superstructure which houses a white dwarf star as its energy source, which is being sucked away by a malevolent AI so that it can collapse the earth, so it can collapse the moon into the earth to destroy humanity. Neil, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. Oh, is, it, is it a conspiracy theory? Let me tell you a wee bit more, Paya, Tommy. Paya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, once, you get, once you get into, and this is kind of the final third of the film, where Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry and Samuel Tarley go into space and go into the moon. They go down the wee passage and it's, they go into this wee alien construct. And Patrick Wilson is told the history of man and how man were originally a species from a far-off galaxy who had created this AI and created these structures as part of, part of a way to expand across the galaxy. Did they ever call them Dyson Spheres? No, they never called them Dyson Spheres. They called them superstructures. Okay. Yeah. So if you've ever played Assassin's Creed 2... I and you know the end of Assassin's Creed 2. Can't remember it. 
where well you know how like, it's all about the aliens who created the earth and things like that the Creed is that not the third one where it's like all that stuff with Desmond and that and... no that's the second one it carry, it carries on into the side games before free uh, so ancient alien theory hollow, hollow moon AIs and Ghost terrible souls that might not be there terrible terrible acting a terrible terrible script is there even like I mean like the the appeal of Roland Emmerich stuff in the past has always been watching like famous landmarks get fucked up well see I'm sick of seeing this this famous landmark of the moon my my thinking of it was when I went to see it was right okay times weren't very good for anything because I didn't want to be too late to come here didn't want to be too early so I settled on going to the super screen to see it so yes it continues my terrible habit of paying money to see bad films granted it's only an extra £2.50 but I thought that £2.50 if I'm going to see what is a film which is should be about the spectacle I want to see the spectacle in the best way that I can see it Mm. but the spectacle is not very good Mm. like it's really a lot of really bad CGI um, a lot of really like stuff that would look like a cut scene from maybe Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit of Mass, <laughs> there's a bit of Mass Effect in there. There's a bit of Halo in there. There's actually quite a lot of Halo in there. Um, the yeah, they look like video game cut scenes. They're just not very good. It looks, it's very much a film which, whose budget looks like this should have been straight to a streaming service. Well, we talk about it a lot about how that's his future. How there's how there's a lot of films that get released where you watch them and you go, "How did this ever get a cinema release?" Yeah, this yeah. is very much one of these films. This should have been. Is pressed. he not supposed to be fucking up the Stargate stuff again soon? Is that not in the in the cards? No idea. I would. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd, he can't have any control over it by now, surely. Stargate. I mean, he he wrote and directed it. They might approach him. To make an art film, which... Well, they talked about doing Stargate sequels for years, but nothing. But then, yeah, because also the TV series. Well, I couldn't even tell you who owns the rights to that anymore. Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> Tell like, mind if you drop me in that forest, I could probably find my way out. Like, I know! Like, it's, <laughs> the, it's a weird film that there was a lot of moments where I felt like it was just a really bad script that was letting everything down, but then this you have the actors having to deliver those lines and doing it in such bad ways like Halle Berry for a lot of the film just has this look in her face where you don't know if she, she knows she's trying to do concerned or confused so it looks like a mishmash of both of them so is it a bit like Ken Watanabe in that Godzilla film yeah uh, I was thinking uh, Jaden Smith and everything he's in <laughs> <laughs> and also it's well I don't, it's, it's hard to watch a lot of films nowadays in a vacuum, given the world that we live in. And the way that this film deals with conspiracy theorists and the way it kind of tries to blanket, whitewash their image. Yeah. Uh, and kind of go, oh, these are people we should not be listening to. When I read the plot, I was like, they're giving this yeah. shit a lot of traction and, and you kind of confirmed it. And you, that- get, you get a couple of moments where Elon Musk gets name checked in a I love Elon Musk way oh, and also SpaceX gets uh, name checked as well did you see one of their fucking rockets is actually a bit to crash in them and yeah. brilliant so it's 
It's a Jake film. Will hit the white. <laughs> Jake will hit the the white uh, dwarf. I don't. Don't detonate the core, mate. It's a film that has a lot of issues, not only from production but also from tone and message. I mean, I don't even know. Did Roland Emmerich really ever try? I think he just kind of accepts what I he think does. Like Stargate is a genuinely good no, film. but Stargate Stargate's was good back in the day. And Uni- he, Universal Soldiers quality. But once he made uh, ID four, he never looked but, back. See, see the, the problem. The problem. This was a thing that I was thinking. Like, see if this film was made back in like the ID four day after tomorrow era, mm. it would have this kind of glossiness to it. it would have that. Now all those films have got this kind of well, not day after tomorrow because it's snow, but like Armageddon, uh, Deep Impact. All that they've got that kind of orange, kind of warm hue to them. Mm-hmm. That kind of weird, kind of late nineties, early two. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pre nine eleven glossiness. Yes. That those kind of films had. See if this film was made then. It would maybe be a wee bit more acceptable because it would have that kind of cheesiness look to it. Instead, this just looks like dour. Oh, this is a dour sci-fi channel film, right? Where they've just not had the budget to actually do what they want. Okay, but I mean, he, he's essentially made the same movie about twenty times at this point. Oh, yeah, like, the, the whole thing they, is they it's must got be, all the tropes. They must be making money though, right? Oh, yeah, they'll make money. It'll just be two point fifty, was it? Yes. I'm pretty sure the only thing I think that he was he's, he's pretty much the Dan Brown of the fucking cinema, isn't he? Mate, he's really Dan Brown's the Dan Brown cinema. No, because <laughs> Dan Brown isn't a director, he's an author. So I'm trying to think of like uh Did he the only thing I can think Roland Emmerich made that wasn't a disaster I mean it was a disaster really, but was he did he not make that film about Shakespeare that had um Yes, he did um the, the, the one you. with the ghostwriter. It's ah, yeah. it was like on something yeah what the fuck is it called uncredited Un- Some, it's something like that Un- unshakespeared uh, <laughs> I don't know but I'm sure it's got um, I think it played Kurt Connors in uh, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2 is uh, it called Unwritten it's something Some like that but yeah I remember like thinking oh, that's a Roland movie but nothing's exploded I just kind of wish he would stop making films if I'm being honest but like I mean I guess I could just not watch them which I haven't done yeah I mean like, that's that's why like when Neil was like that, jo- the one he done watch with, Moonfall I'm like no the one he done with John Cusack twenty twelve so bad yeah but again like you said he just he just makes the same shit it just after because Independence Day was such a fucking massive film at the time it's as if right you're that guy that's going to make those films and he just I think he's just kind of happy enough just being within but, that genre see the thing is though like there's nothing wrong with making like disaster movies like that what was the one with a fucking Nicole Kidman The Impossible no that's Naomi Watts Naomi Watts same person like hey that one was great but that's you know, it's like disaster films like they can be fucking absolutely brilliant when they're done right but, the, but like, the, with his stuff there's just so much fucking absolute contrived shit in yeah them. Like, but the difference was that with The Impossible was it actually happened so it's like it's based on actual events with an actual family that went through all that. So you've got so you've maybe, got, maybe you've got drama bad, there. You've got maybe that. Maybe that was a bad example then because it's like based on real events. But there must be something else like that TV show Chernobyl. Like that was <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. But again, that's <laughs> I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. But uh, you still I, haven't seen that. Twenty twelve was like all that all the stuff that happens and it is like just so badly done it's like, just a box he, ticker isn't it he, he goes into like a the air in a, a plane 
and they're trying to find their way to like an ark in somewhere vague in China and the plane runs out of fuel and goes to crash land but it crash lands not in the sea where they think it's going to be but it turns out that the technology plates have shifted to the point where where they were going has moved to exactly where they ran out of fuel aye. and then they just happen to find the fucking ark so it's like aye, it's what is this shit it's like cold. you're not even fucking trying to aye, write a good story it's called plot convenience for oh. for garbage like that. Plot convenience. Yes. Talk about plot convenience. Moonfall is fucking plot convenience. That's what we're saying. That's, 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 that's what we're saying. That's all he does now. Like, like that. I mean, I can remember being fucking raging during the day after tomorrow, where the ice is sentient and chases them through the library. Like it just. What what the fuck? Like just. Uh, Again, rubbish, man. Uh, but that's what they're made for. The, the, the tornadoes don't they exactly rip up the Hollywood sign, man. Mm. Fuck off. <laughs> um. Yeah, so so I went and watched Belfast. <laughs> um, like again, I'd I'd see the trailer for it, and I kind of roughly knew right. It was it's set in Belfast in the late sixties when the troubles were kind of starting in Northern Ireland, and it was written and directed. It's a kind of semi autobiographical effort from Kenneth Branagh, who writes and directs, but he doesn't star in it. It's got Kieran Hines, James, Dame Judi Dench, and Jamie Dornan. Um, and I didn't really know what to make of it. I was like, all right, so this... Because the trailer's kind of vague where... It's got this kind of nice, cheery feel to it, but it's also got, like, this is when the troubles were starting. And I was like, I don't know really what to make of this film. And I was like, I, I need to see it anyway. So I went and watched it. And fucking hell, I was like, it's one of the best films I've seen this year because it is absolutely not what I expected. And because it's only February. <laughs> hey, I, when was it? It was I think it was like two years ago today. <clears throat> Uh, I seen went I went and seen Parasite and that remained the best movie of that year, oh. um, but no like um, as I said it's set in uh, Northern Ireland in the late sixties and it's basically it's about it's a coming of age story it's told through the eyes of a, a small boy Buddy and his family and the interactions with their neighbours and like uh, as I said like some of his like he comes from a Protestant family. But the street that he lives on is Protestants, Catholics. There's like, um, I think there's like a Hindu family as well. And they all just kind of get along as a community and that's what it is. But then um, a group of Protestants are coming along and starting to basically want to cleanse the street of Catholics. And uh, the wee boy's uh, family, his dad is played by Jamie Dornan. They don't agree with that, even though like Jamie Dornan knows the guy who's like the head of like the wee kind of terrorist group saying, look, you call yourself a Protestant and all that. But, He's like, no, these are my neighbours. And he's like, you're not a Protestant. You're just a jumped up gangster. You're full of shit kind of thing. Come after my family, I'll kill you. And the, yeah, like the general kind of concept, like you've got that that's on the go. But as I said, the whole thing's told through this wee boy's eyes and his interactions with his family's neighbours. It's a lassie fancies in school and that. And the first, as I was watching it, I was like, this is like a British Jojo rabbit. That's the only, that's the thing I could compare it to because there's a lot of similar aspects that. Um, is it funny? Uh, yeah, like th- that's what I'm saying though. Like, whereas Jojo Rabbit's got that kind of Taco TT kind of quirky humor about it, this is very much like good British pattern in it. Like, the interactions that he has, like, Kieran Hines is my favorite character in it because he plays his granda, and him and his granda have some great conversations. And his, his granny, played by Judy Dench, like, the two of them have like great patter, and um, just in general, like, it's got this kind of, kind of very British tailored kind of humour and slang and all these little things about it and some of the things that kind of struck me about it was even though I wasn't born back then I come from a small community where I know what it's like when you know a lot of folk and everyone gets along they'll organise these like wee dances and they'll kind of you'll play football together and that and there's a lot of that in amongst like um, what's going on and I think that 
the whole film is basically all these things, but the dad is kind of to, like Jamie Dornan is kind of to make a decision, saying, "Listen, we need to give our kids a chance. We we can't even stay here." Whereas the mum's very much like, "All I know is here. Our families are here. Our friends are here. If we just go to like London, they're going to make fun of us and say you took like an Englishman's job, kind of thing." So it just kind of are it, it kind of discusses all those wee points, but ultimately, the film is about like it doesn't matter what religion you are if you're kind and respect somebody then that's the way it should be and Jamie Dornan actually says that to his wee boy at one point there's a really great bit where the, the, the wee girl that he fancies is a Catholic and he says dad drink that be a problem and he says she'd be a practicing Hindu a Satan worshipper or whatever if you love and respect her and she loves and respect you she's welcome to ours anytime and I was like that's the line of the film because that gets the, across the whole point um, as I said it's written and directed by Kenneth Branagh it looks excellent Um shot in black and white it's very crisp it's like set during the summer um the soundtrack's excellent um the wee boy what is the soundtrack like? oh it's just got like all these kind of classic kind of tunes it's got a mix of kind of like like rock tunes and some like folk tunes and things like that in there um the wee boy in it that get, plays buddy he's excellent but to be fair everybody's excellent in it I've seen Keenan Hines was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and I, I really hope he gets it because he's got some of the best lines in that movie. Um, yeah, like, Branagh's script is it's tight. It's flawless, in my opinion, because it's not too flabby. It's a, it's, a, it's a good 98 minutes long. Everything about it, it just works really well. It moves at such a really good pace and it's charming, it's funny, it's heartbreaking. You, I mean, I found, felt myself getting choked up a couple of times as well. And just all in all, it's excellent. And like Branagh kind of dedicates it to the people that stayed, the people that left and for all those lost during the whole thing. And I was like, that was excellent. I was a really kind of, like, it was a really great kind of coming of age film through the eyes of someone who had all these troubles, but has a really great message behind it. And as I said, Jojo Rabbit is very similar to it. Jojo Rabbit, I think, is better but that's only because of the particular kind of humour I enjoy in that. And, but yeah, I was thoroughly surprised, thoroughly surprised. And I cannot recommend it enough. I've been like talking to everybody about it saying, yeah, it's not what you expect. It's actually a really nice time at the cinema. Um, the cinema was, it was pretty packed. Uh, all age groups. Um, you could tell there was a lot of old folk there. There was folk my age. There was some younger folk and everyone was laughing when they should. And, Again, it just there was that kind of sense of like you know, you know, so all we get that because we're like you know we're all British and that's a good pattern all that kind of thing. So yeah, all of them. Put their own, put their rebels on. No, it did not. <laughs> no, it did not. Uh, but uh, absolutely, um, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, Danny was a bit hesitant to want to go watch it, but after I spoke to you about it, you were like, "No, man, I fancy that." I believe that's because uh, in Danny's words, Kenneth Branagh is one he used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny did say that. And I says, no, it's not like, you know. No, it's just a wee joke. It was just a wee joke, guy. My favourite colour is blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll admit, I'm just going by the trailer. I had no real interest in it because mm-hmm. it didn't look that exciting anyway, but. I'll probably go more to it now. Like I, do you know, like sadly, like the thing that endears me the most to it is the fact that it's ninety minutes long. Ninety eight. It's only ninety eight minutes. Oh, I'm probably uh, going to watch it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's tight. It's tight. Uh, um, like I just, I think I just, I just came out. Uh, I was swimming. And I was like, oh, I want to watch something. I sleep in Belfast was ninety eight minutes, and that appealed to me as well because I mean, I, 
just seems like you're spending two hours in a cinema these days and I'm like well at least these days are two hours at least yeah so I was like oh man we'll see how this goes but as I said it's well worth your time and I said to Danny if you go again let me know because I will happily much like Jojo Rabbit I could have went in and sat and watched the whole thing again Jojo Rabbit's now on Disney Plus yes yes not watched it uh, again yet but that year I think I went and seen Jojo Rabbit four times in the cinema and that's like you, is it, you, you know what? You is know it Sam Rockwell? Is it who's yeah, that? Sam Rockwell, Scarjo. Um, Sam Rockwell was good in that. Yeah. In fact, they were they were all good. Yeah. I think my face Game of Thrones is Alfie Allen. Steve Merchant just pops up randomly. Yeah. I but oh yeah. So is Steve Merchant a Nazi in it? Yeah. Right. Really good. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, I, I because Oscar season's out and it's up for a couple of awards I'd imagine it's still got life uh, in the cinema but yeah it's I'm absolutely intending on going to watch it again at some point because I thoroughly enjoyed it so there you I go. mean like I've got a day off tomorrow like I might actually go and watch a scream of it's still on and that Belfast mm. what else is out wait are you off tomorrow yeah I thought it was Thursday you were off no it's tomorrow you have Jackass Forever out Thursday's when the guys come in to look at the electricity boxy thing Oh, that's why I thought you were off. When's no. he coming? After two. Right, okay. Because I'm off tomorrow, because that's why I was like, I scheduled the thing for Wednesday. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Jackass Forever. I will have that watched. I'm going to watch that on Sunday. Uh, is Steve in that? Uh, Steve, Johnny Knoxville, everyone. Yes, every, isn't it? Yeah, everyone apart from Bam Margera. Although I think he's got a, one scene where he's he, in it. Yeah, he is in it. Yeah, there's like one scene, but obviously he's in the middle of a. He's in rehab. Well, not that he's he's sued the producers. All right, really. And he is also in rehab, though. I think he's in rehab. I don't know if he's in or out, but he's sued the producers, and Jeff Tremaine's got like a restraining order against him and for, all that. For like whatever reason, like I'm guessing it's just because so many other folk must be watching it. Like YouTube started recommending his a uh, clips of like Steve-O's podcasting he does, and he just like tours America in a, a kind of RV, uh, talking to folk, and a and one of them is like he talks about Bam Margera. And this was only like last week or something. It was recorded, and he says he's still in rehab. Yeah. So because like Steve would like when that whole when Bam Margera released that Instagram post saying how he felt betrayed by his friends and he wants his fans to you know not go and see it and this that and there and he was clearly like under the influence and crying and all that. But like I think Steve's response was like you know he he kind of defended Knoxville and Tremaine and all that, which yeah. I mean all he can do kind of thing, but. Uh, yeah, I've heard mixed things about this film. I've heard, like, it's pretty much Jackass, but Johnny Knoxville has said that it's not the end of Jackass, but it might be the end of his tenure in it, as in uh, it's about getting, like, the new blood in kind of thing. But I think by the new blood, it's just known YouTubers and pranksters uh, that you've seen. Like, which I, I, I think... Always, like, I really enjoyed watching, like, the previous Jackass stuff with that with you. Like, it was always... The, the bits I didn't like in it were, like... The ones that were sticking like leeches to their fucking eye or drinking a, har- a jar of horse cum or whatever, man. Like, all that stuff. Like, I could do without <laughs> that. But uh, if, if this one's all just them being dicks to people in public and then fucking getting no. the forms, I don't know if I can be bothered with No, I think it's like, that, it's I mean, still that's, that's pranks. What, that's what modern pranking is on YouTube. Though. No, but Jackass is very much stunt-based and all that. I think, like, if they're going to be dicks, it's to each other. Yeah. I did rewatch the Jet Engine one, though. That, that Jet Engine sketch is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And like the the one with the big fucking hand covered in flour is also excellent. <laughs> yeah, I, I I went down a wee kind of YouTube rabbit hole of watching some clips of the old films to kind of get me in. Well, I say get me in the mood. I, I wanted to watch anyway, but I can't till Sunday, so I was like, all right, never mind. But it's so be good. many of these sketches are fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think what else is out there. Uh, Death in the Nile's out as well, and Friday, I think yeah, Death in the Nile's out, and something else as well. Uncharted. Uncharted. That's it. It still pleases me that you do not know who the killer of Death of the Nile is. That even with the trailer, which I'm sure you will have seen, which takes you from the very start of that film to pretty much the end of that film. I feel like we've definitely spoken about Death of the Nile before, but I have no memory. Of, what is this? It's Agatha Christie novel. It's one with Brad's sequel to Murder in the Orient Express. Right. Okay. Sorry, what were you saying? No, I just I find it amazing that you don't know who the killer is, and I'm, I look forward to going on that journey with you. You're not coming to watch it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll go watch it, but uh, apparently it's been getting quite a few negative reviews. Well, because Army Hammer's on it, so well, the exactly, man's yeah. getting review bombed. What's the deal with him again? Oh, he's well, he wants to eat your face. Well, he's not a cannibal. He's got cow cannibalistic fantasies that his uh, girlfriends and that have said that he is he's often said he wants to eat their ribs and all yeah, that so yeah, apparently he's, he's a bit abusive yes he is actually like part of the family that have the Arm and Hammer yeah he yeah. is the heir to the Arm and Hammer fortune his mother is a a very well known QAnon follower oh well brilliant uh, fucking sounds well good uh, <laughs> it's just what you need <laughs> What if what happened? Like, what to the world? Aye. Yeah. Uh, internet happened. That is so, it. The internet media. happened. Nine mm-hmm. eleven happened. So I think today saying that a uh, today or like recently, like the past couple of days, something like that is the first time that a uh, Facebook has seen a drop in the number of users since its eighteen year tenure. Like so, this might be it. This might be the start of fucking just it finally getting to fuck. Doubt it. Yeah, it's evolved into something else. But I, I mean, apparently, it is like a something that only older folk do now. Like right. seemingly, like young people just don't don't use Facebook. Nah. At oh, all. Right. so it's where your mum and your dad. They've got like TikTok and Instagram and such, which is just as bad, I guess. Like Facebook's pretty bad, but like if it's just going to get replaced by yeah. like other also corporate as fuck bullshit, then then you just have a TikTok account. No, no, no just. No. I like I at one point had a Snapchat thing, but like it, it was one of the first times where I felt like a fucking old man yeah, I where I just Snapchat. could not work out how to fucking yeah. use it. What was the point until it? I like I googled how to use it and it was some fucking child like explaining yeah. that you had to hold the button down to do stuff. It's like it doesn't fucking tell you that anywhere on it. Then I was like, I'm too old for this, and I deleted it. <laughs> and it was like the time where I kind of realised. Like all those jokes about like your parents or whatever not being able to like a change the time in a VCR or do anything with the computers and stuff. It's not that they're dumb. It's that they just don't give a fuck about it, man. Like I don't, I do not want to learn any of that new technology shit. I don't want to learn how to use TikTok or fucking Snapchat or whatever I mean, the fuck yeah, comes it's, next. It's not for well, say it's not for you. It's for MD, but it's that way. It's just weird when you see folk getting rich off it, like that guy that does the. Whole uh, that plays really well yeah, in, that's great radio. Audio I don't know the name of the guy but I'm Tommy pretty sure Tommy shrugged for yeah. everybody at home yeah he does like I guess TikTok videos are just he's got his own YouTube channel where there's these folk that'll post life hacks oh right, I know the guy you're on about yeah, the and, then, and then he does the shrug thing as if to say that's not a life hack just do this or whatever yeah. and he's made millions yeah. which I mean I think that's fine without saying and, a word I've, I've seen plenty of TikToks because the like 
Facebook or YouTube or whatever, like if something becomes popular enough on TikTok, it'll inevitably make its way over and stuff. And like I do think it's really cool how like young people have now got such easy access to everything. It's like YouTube is a learning tool for us, right? Whereas like TikTok is making it even more accessible because things are just like bite sized and really easy to find now. Like mm. I, I get that, but just it's not. I, I, yeah, I'm not bothered much about it. Mm. Aye, so is that going to do it for this week? Or a month. <laughs> uh, also, you should read Hyperion if uh, you're looking for a book because it's fucking excellent. I'll leave you with one last thing. I started watching Laid Back Camp Season 2. You was talking about his anime stuff again. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's just... I think it might be my favourite anime. Right? I really wish that people that were listening to this could see the genuine fucking smile on your face just now, man. Like, there's a bit in the first episode of the season two where Rin Chan, who is the the kind of lead character who starts off the first season as being a girl who she's very introverted, she doesn't she likes to go camping on her own because she doesn't really have a lot of friends, that kind of thing. And over the course of the season obviously she gets in with the, the camping club at school. So this starts, season two starts off, it's winter break, so they're not at school anymore. Rin Chan decides she wants to go to, um, it's a beach not far from where she lives, so she can watch the sunrise on New Year's Day uh, over the Pacific. And she, it's, it's like seven o'clock in the morning, she's driving through a wee town on a wee moped, and one of her pals in school who lives in that town comes out at the 7-Eleven, sees her she didn't expect to see her pal she's not seen her for a couple of weeks now and her wee pal goes oh you going camping that's magic that's brilliant don't forget to take this and hands her a curry cup noodle and Rin Chan's like this is the best thing that MB has ever done for me and it is really nice and it's the power of friendship I love that show I still find it amazing not that you like this because like it seems like a very kind of like life-affirming, chill, it just everything's like a fucking good time thing. It is, it totally is. But you fucking hate camping. Oh, no, I hate the I, I learned how to make a campfire. I would never, ever use that. I would all. love new never Why do you match? Boom. You've learned how to build a campfire. I have learned that you should build a wee wall you, so it's more I like a fire you, pit. I, I have learned you that, you, that you use... Pine cones Neil, is kindling to get it going. I will take you, you outside and, you and give you a fiver if you can build you get, a fire. You can, you can take a stick and you cut into it so it's like a wee umbrella. That's Neil, you're no listening, man. Let's go outside. You successfully... Who the fuck are you going to build a fire you here? You successfully start a fire I will give you five pounds. Also, you're not going to go down the stairs. What are you talking about? Fucking learn how to start a fire. Have you balls? You saw some other cunt start a fire in an anime? Yeah, but they tell you how to do it. <laughs> then, I, then I watched them, I learned how to make a, a soba noodle dish, which is really good. What was, it, what was the soba noodle dish? It was, uh, it was soba noodles, uh, I think it was eel, uh-huh. famous eel from the area that they were in, uh, and some kind of sachet of vinegar to make the soup. It's a great show. It's fantastic. It's the best anime ever made. What's it called? Laid Back Camp. It's just so chill. Okay. It's like, 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 on your recommendation. An, an, anime gets a, bad, gets a bad rap because of fan service. 
And oh. yes, this is an anime about high school girls, but there is no fan service in it whatsoever. It is very much just a here's pals kind of thing being pals. The fan service is one of the worst things about a lot of anime, though. Yeah. That, I mean, you asked us uh, if I'd watched any more of that Darling in the Franks thing, and uh, from the get go, it's I mean, it's like about kids that are like 14 or whatever, but like all the girls are just like super fucking sexualized and like from the get-go if there's the plainest most normal fucking generic dude for whatever reason every single woman in the vicinity just fucking loves him for no reason you know, like there's all that kind of awkward he happens to see them naked he'll touch her boob stuff it's like this why does this need to be in fucking everything man like it is it's rubbish I think again, like that's why I, I like Attack on Titan as well because it doesn't really do any of that. Yeah. Like, there's no relationships. There's no like awkward fucking, a uh, inter social fucking awkwardness. None of that. Like, it just doesn't ever mm. kind of deal with it. Seem like Ghost in the Shell as well. Like the kind of parts in that with there is nudity, but like that film is like a very asexual movie. Like mm. she does not care about anything to do with it, like her body or anything like that. So it's I don't know. Anime is weird. Like it's the same as horror, where when you find a good one, it's like really good, but there's just so much shit to wade through yeah, to find yeah. a good one. He's done, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about anime some more. No, I'm good. I seriously because I almost went with an anime film that I intended to talk about. Which one? Bell. Never heard it. Have you seen a either your name weathering with you? Or five centimetres per second. Have you ever seen any of them? I know of two of them, but I have not seen them. I don't know about five centimetres per second. Out of the three ones, I just think they're all by the same dude. They're all quite similar, but it's like a kind of like teenage romance-style right. anime stuff. You would probably like five centimetres per second the most out of the three of them. Is weathering with you the one that can, the girl that can control the weather? Yeah. Right, okay. Just because uh, you seem to enjoy your kind of more upbeat... Uh, no, I like, I like uh, giant robots punching things just as much also as the next really man. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's a fairly pornographic title, though, isn't it? What? What, giant robots punching things? Five thingies per second. It's, the, like, it's such a, like, I could already feel Tommy's eyes rolling in the skull. It's the speed at which a Sakura petal falls to the ground. <laughs> and, <laughs> was, <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> right, so that'll be us for that show. <laughs> Go for it, Paco. Take us out. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I mean, I would like to do them more frequently than we have been doing them. Yeah, uh, we we'll get. We'll try and get back on a more regular schedule. Yeah. So hopefully this will go up. Well, I don't think there's anything to edit here, so no, just I'll just chop off the start and end and put this up tonight. Yeah. Uh, this has been right in the kitchen. Any day that you're listening to it. Huh? Like, uh, it's timeless, you yeah. know. Timeless if you include the fact that like it involves things that are in the cinema right now. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, catch you guys next time. Raptors. <laughs> How do you end this? Did I make a noise? Flag taken. <laughs>